Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host. This is my podcast. Today is a different episode. Um, I am going to be reading as many emails as, from you guys as I possibly can. I have 25 emails to read. They are all different. They're from men, women. It doesn't fucking matter to me. I'm just excited to fucking go in blind and read these emails. And really, I'm so sorry to curse so much. Uh, I keep telling myself, don't curse so much. And then this is what happens. You know what? This is why you shouldn't make rules for yourself because you're just going to break them. I just have to be me, you guys. But can I be a me who, who enforces rules and tries to be better and then morphs and changes and grows and develops into a better person who doesn't curse. So I don't know. Now I've canceled all out. I'm confused. Anyway, how are you guys? Um, oh God, what can I tell you? I have a microphone stand happening right now so I can have both my hands can move around. I can hold onto all the papers. These are the papers I'm holding with all your emails. Um, I've just been feeling so annoyed with myself because I try to get things done. I try to write. I try to be a multi-hyphenate, if you will, and like, you know, do my podcast, host my girls' night in events that I put on every month that I actually enjoy doing, but they take a lot of energy. Thank God I have my new sidekick, Devin. Devin is a girl who came to Girls' Night In, and uh, she came to many Girls' Nights In, um, and... Now she's she's helping me put together these girls' nights. Uh, I have a sidekick. I'm not going to say intern because that's not what she is, and I'm not an asshole because, oh, God, I cursed again. But uh, because intern is just like a ridiculous word um, for me to use about people in my life helping me do stuff. But uh, she's not my assistant because I'm not paying her. So, But I uh, love her and I appreciate her. Anyway, um, but just trying to strike the balance and figure out just time management. Does anybody else have time, like difficulties with that? Like I procrastinate. I put things to the last minute and it just stresses me out. And then I feel like I don't do anything. And yet I feel like I do so much. And I also feel like I do nothing at all. You know, I'm writing this new article, uh, a bi-monthly, um, I have a bi-monthly column on a, on a website called Ravishly, which is like this, you know, it's really wonderful, actually. It's like a female empowerment website. Did I describe it properly? Oh, God, I feel like I'm going to use all the wrong words. But uh, it's just like, you know, it's an empowering uh, website for women, and it's positive and informative and interesting and people's stories, and they asked me to write a column for them, and it's all, it's also called Love Alexi and trying to, trying to call everything I do Love Alexi. And... Uh, you know, I've been really enjoying writing for them. They've published one thing I've written so far. Two things are coming up, but it's like, okay, so now, oh, and I, and I also feel like Carrie Bradshaw. It makes me feel like I'm Carrie Bradshaw, which is my goal. And if anybody out there is too young to even know what I'm talking about, Carrie Bradshaw is a fictitious character uh, who uh, she was played by Sarah Jessica Parker. If you don't know who that is either, feel free to look her up. But uh, Carrie Bradshaw was a star character in a show called Sex in the City. I mean, I really did not need to explain that to anybody because that's insane. Um, but she wrote for a, uh, she had a newspaper column where she talked about her feelings. It was called Sex in the City. And I feel like my entire life has been me unconsciously trying to be Carrie Bradshaw. And maybe not even so unconsciously. You know, I had my blog called I'm Boy Crazy where I would write about my feelings. And now it's just basically I'm doing a, a thing like that, except now I'm being paid for it. And it's not on it's not for my own blog. It's for somebody else's website, somebody else's space on the internet. And it's called Love Alexi. 
And uh, so be it. It's, uh, it must be my calling to write about feelings. And uh, yeah, but I've been very, very brutal and hard on myself about getting stuff done. I'm writing something else and I'm having a hard time getting inspired. And I'm like, oh God, I have a deadline. I should set a deadline. And I should, you know, I, I want to have it done by May 12th. Because that's when this guy I'm dating is coming back. He's been out of town for weeks. And so I want I want everything that might stress me out, out of the way. And I want to use him returning to Los Angeles as uh, as a positive. It's like, a, you know, it's a positive. Uh, it's like I'm being rewarded for getting all my work done. It's just nice to set goals. And sometimes it's hard to do that and, you know, have deadlines. And it's just hard to meet your deadlines. So, but it's almost May 12th. May 12th is this coming Saturday and I'm supposed to have this this thing that I'm writing complete and you you have to strike the balance of like are you inspired do I have anything to say am I inspired do I have anything to say okay am I hooked into to you know a moment where I actually feel like I have I have something I want to write and I'm onto something and I have all these like oh my god I'm really wanting to write right now all these great things are coming to mind but it hasn't been that way. And I'll have like fleeting moments of that when I'm in the bathtub or like when I'm walking down the street, I'll be like, oh, that's a great idea. Or yes, or, I, or I'm feeling very inspired right now. And then it, I lose it. And then I'm also like, fuck that. Do you, you can't just write when you're inspired. You'd barely get anything done. You have to like treat it like a job. So then I put this other pressure on myself where it's like, you got to wake up at six in the morning. You got to write your morning pages like your previous Level Lexi podcast guest told you to. Brian Koppelman told you to write morning pages according to that self-help book he read many years ago called The Artist's Way. So you got to wake up at 6 a.m., maybe earlier, maybe at 4 a.m. Like my other previous guest, Shiva Rose, said she wakes up at like four in the morning to meditate and do some tea ceremony thing because she said that's the most magical hour uh, of the day. Oh, my God. I'm missing the most magical hour of the day. Holy shit. Oh, okay. So wake up sometime between 4 and 6 a.m. Then do your morning pages. Then meditate. Then do a Lacey Phillips, because Lacey Phillips, uh, a manifestation advisor who has changed my life and many other people's lives, says you should do uh, all of her programs. And, and then when you're done with them, you should definitely do a daily uh, a daily reprogramming uh thing thing or what have you I don't know so you got okay so you're waking up between four and six a.m you're writing in your journal doing your morning pages you're meditating then you're doing your daily imagining Lacey Phillips work to make sure you uh you are manifesting your best self and you're working through whatever triggers and traps and uh, old ways of thinking are bogging you down so you can create new neurons in your brain and form neural pathways so you can start seeing yourself in a more magnetic way so other people will start seeing you in a very magnetic way and then your whole entire life will change and all your dreams will come true. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so you got all that out of the way. Then you got to have coffee. You got to have something to eat. You can't run on empty. Then you got to sit down. You got to not get distracted by Instagram and Twitter. More specifically for me, Instagram. Oh my God, though. All of a sudden, it's the first thing I do. I grab my phone when I'm alone in bed and nobody is next to me. I grab my phone. I go to Instagram. I check my DMs. I see who's liking my stuff. I see what they're all about. I, re I watch other people's stories. I rewatch my stories. I want to see who watched my stories. 
oh my God, all of a sudden an hour and a half has gone by. Fuck, but I didn't meditate. I didn't eat. I still haven't made coffee. I didn't do my morning pages. I haven't written the script that I told myself I'd write. Oh my God, I've got two stories for Ravishly to write that I'm on deadline for. Oh my God, everything, the entire world is sinking in on me and I'm doing nothing. I'm garbage. I'm a piece of shit. I'm a failure. I'm never getting anything done. Oh my God, the whole world just keeps going and I'm just sitting here like they're, they're, they're fucking lead in my boots. Anyway, so that's what my past week has been like. Um, meditating would probably help, but I think it's also uh, being weaponized against me. Um... I just need to fucking relax or chill, as everybody says. Um, so I guess right now, doing my podcast is the one opportunity I have to live in the moment. I can shut out the world. I can know I'm checking something off the list because I got to get my podcast out every week because I'm obsessed with it and I'm obsessed with you guys and girls and people and whoever you are out there listening. And uh, it means something to me and matters something to me to get this out into the ether and express myself and make myself vulnerable and talk about how I'm feeling and feel connected to you. And, you know, if I bear my soul and you write me a letter and bear your soul or anything, you know, then I feel less alone and maybe you feel less alone. And then I read your emails and respond to them and you'll hear that and we'll connect over the ether, you know, in podcast form. So this is a delight to do. Um... But then in life, you also, if you're lucky enough to have friends or family or, or hobbies. Wait, what is that? What is that weird distracting sound coming from my recorder? I don't like that one bit. But if you're lucky enough to have friends and family and you want to maintain those relationships, you got to find time to maintain those relationships. You know, and you can't just be sitting indoors all the time. You got to go to the supermarket or you got to get Instacart, I guess, but you got to move. You got to get off your ass and move so you don't end up weighing 700 pounds and dropped out of a heart attack. So there are so many things to balance. Oh, and you want to make money. Sometimes the way you make money isn't the same way you wish you were making money. Ideally, you'd be making a living, a very nice living, doing exactly what you love doing. But sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have a day job that you're not connected to that sucks you dry and robs your soul of joy. And it robs you of your time. So when you finally do get home, you don't have time to do all the things you really want to do. Oh, so, you know, I'm just having a meditation right now, a verbal meditation on this podcast about time management and trying to balance everything, getting distracted. It's just difficult. So that's what I've been stressed out by. And uh, quite frankly, if I could just have sex with the guy I'm dating and then when he's gone doing whatever he needs to do away from me, which I'm sure is a lot and fine, but, uh, um, I would just love to just lay on my couch, uh, in something easy and breezy, scrolling Instagram, leaving comments and, uh, looking at cute curated pictures of, uh, you know, cool living rooms and French girls, with great haircuts and bangs, wearing cool outfits, you know, and watching movies and, you know, and then having sex again with a guy I'm dating and making out with him for hours and then drinking rosé over ice. I like rosé over ice. People say it's white trash. And by the way, is saying white trash a slur? Because I know that when somebody on Real Housewives of New York City said it, um, people were livid. But I'm white, so am I allowed to say white trash about myself? I don't know. Anyway... Um, 
I need to put ice in my rosé because rosé is too acidic for my stomach. All right. So I'm really, isn't that called self-care? I'm really taking care of myself. Also, I put half and half of my coffee because coffee is too acidic for me. I need balance everywhere. All right. Listen, if I haven't lost all of you, and not all of you have hung yourself so far because of how intense and anxiety-ridden this intro or whatever this is has been. Um, I wonder if there even is really is an intro this week because I'm just reading emails. I'm not getting to any conversation with the person. It's just you and me, guys. You and me to do whatever the fuck we want. Oh, you know what I'm channeling right now a bit? Pump up the volume because I just watched Pump Up the Volume for the first time in a really long time. And uh, I'm, I guess I'm kind of acting like Christian Slater, like very aggro, like, oh man, like what is it all about, man? Anyway, um, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, everybody watch Pump Up the Volume if you can. If you can't, I will illegally send it to you. I found it on a website. Um, and I guess nobody, nobody cares about the old movies on this weird website where people are, you know, trading stolen movies. Um, and Pump Up the Volume is just so old. Nobody gives a shit. So they're like, People are like, yeah, sure, pirate that shit. Pirate that movie about pirate radio. Um, well, here's the thing. If you like this podcast, I do want to say all this, the normal disclaimers, the normal things I say. If you like this podcast, the Love Alexi podcast, subscribe on iTunes. That really does help me grow the show. I hope you know. I'm not fucking around here when I say that. Subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. I read your comments. I see what you're saying. And a lot of you are saying really nice things and it like warms my heart. I can't believe it. Um, if you want to support the show, um, you can. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Alexi, if you want to make a donation to the show, do it on Patreon. Go to my Patreon page. And uh, it means that uh, you're responsible for me buying equipment and just, you know, you're donating money and, and essentially, you know, giving money to something you enjoy. So that's really nice. Thank you so much. I can't believe you guys. Um, if you want to advertise on the podcast, you should send an email to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. I expect to have a ton of advertisers on the show very soon and it's going to be very exciting because I know I'm going to have the coolest sponsors advertising on the Love Alexi podcast because it's a female hosted podcast about real feelings and uh, that's important and rare all right how dare you um, but I do have a lot of emails to get to and I'm so glad you guys sent me your emails thank you so much I think some of them are going to be very weird and wacky and I'm just going to in no particular order read them I printed out a bunch I did say 25 earlier um, oh, and by the way, my mom's purse was stolen at Target this week. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my God. It was so unnecessary. It really didn't need to happen. Uh, I see Target in a whole new light now. Barely. I still love it. It's still like, you know, doused in white light, golden light. But we were at Target. My mom was confused with the Target cartwheel app that I should never have introduced her to. She's like, what is this app that gives you a discount? And I was like, oh, oh, no. I mean, I'm a smart woman living my life. And, you know, discounts are important. You got to be smart. But my mom decided to download the Target app. And yes, there is a Target app. And no, this podcast is not sponsored by the Target Cartwheel app. But it should be. But I'm talking about how my mom was, like, robbed at Target. So, um, you know, maybe that's not good sponsorship fodder. But, so, 
Okay. My mom decides to download the app at the register. And I was already like, no, 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 no. Oh, God. Why is this happening? Oh, my goodness. Oh, mom, this is going to take forever. She gets rung up. I try to help her with the cartwheel app. She can't figure it out. I take it out on my phone. I start scanning all the items to see if there's a potential discount. It's just all very confusing. She moves her cart to the wayside with her purse still in the cart. I tell my mom, I go, hey, keep an eye on your purse. The purse is in the cart. Don't just leave it there. Oh, it's probably my fault because I called attention to a, to a purse just left on its own. But anyway, my mom's like, yeah, 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 totally. Yes, don't worry. And then I, I kept looking over the purse to make sure it didn't get stolen. Maybe I manifested this, this stolen purse. But uh, then I looked over to my right and it was gone. And I assumed for a split second, but you know, part of me was like, kind of like, wow, did it get stolen? Like, I was like so excited. Like, wow, has my, have we been robbed? This is crazy. We were just talking about being robbed. This is insane. Like part of me was like, like, I, yeah, I guess I did. I felt excited about my manifestation of what I had just uh, proclaimed could happen. But then immediately I was like, oh, mommy, because I call her mommy. And no, I was not molested. I really was not molested. Um, I just, you know, I call my private my private, unless I'm sexting. And uh, and I call my mom mommy sometimes, and in, you know, to her face and in third person. Or I call her by her first name, Leslie, which is equally uncomfortable and bizarre to me. She was on my podcast. You should listen to that episode, too. It's a tearjerker. I'm not even kidding. I think I almost start crying during that show. Oof. Anyway. But then I'm like, surely you must have grabbed your purse. And she was like, what? No. Ah! And screamed. And I was like, kind of embarrassed. because I was like, oh, relax. Don't scream. Be chill like me. Meanwhile, in my own life, I am not chill. I've never been chill. But uh, she rightfully screams. It's a whole long to do. She never got the purse back, but they had her car keys and all this stuff. And it turns out it was a, it was an older little lady tweaker who was wearing gloves. The target people saw her on the monitor because they always, I guess they, you know, big brothers watching at all times. And, uh, the only charge the woman made to my mother's credit card was at Yoshinoya. And I made sure to call Yoshinoya to be like, Hey, is there a, is there an older tweaker looking lady in a floral skirt wearing gloves who just ordered? eating over there and they were like she was just here but she's gone and I was like no 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 no! why why I wanted to go vigilante and go after her unfortunately Target wouldn't let me see the monitor the screen the photo of the woman which I think is fucked up because that woman has photos of my mom and my mom's home address even though all the locks have been changed at my mom's house I'll have you know her husband did that in an instant and then took her out to dinner later because he's a gentleman and he loves her and made her, she made, he made her feel real cozy. Anyway, so that's fucked up. But because I wanted to go rogue and like, you know, run to Yoshinoya and go after this woman. But I didn't want to just jump on some rando, like, you know, some kind of weird. I didn't want to make a mistake like like cops do. Okay. I don't I want to make some weird, be like, assume some lady in a floral skirt with gloves on is the one who stole my mom's stuff. But, uh. Anyway, instead, I watched over the car downstairs to make sure nobody stole the car since the lady uh, thief had uh, had the keys. And uh, my mom got towed. She got towed to a dealership. They made a new key for the car. Uh, she had to show a lot of proof that it was her car. So thieves, car thieves, don't think you can just go to a dealership and get a new, new key for a car that isn't yours. How dare you again? Um, and then she had to go to the DMV. It's just real boring. But I guess it just teaches you, like, as long as you're alive and you're healthy and you're fine... 
my mom also had no cash, no cash in her, uh, in her purse, thank God. But the, the moral of the story is she's alive, she's happy, she's safe, and uh, I still like Target. And then today I got this huge box sent to me for no reason, a complete mistake uh, from Target, this huge box. And it's not like a gift box to say I'm sorry, in, in which case they should have sent it to my mom. But I got a huge box filled with Mickey Mouse ears in various uh, designs. Like I'm talking like probably like 200 or 300 Mickey Mouse ears. Isn't that ridiculous? And I, you know, I put them on Instagram because I love, I love getting your thoughts, your opinions on Instagram. And I love DMing with people. I love DMing with complete strangers on Instagram, uh, you know, uh, regarding my stories because I story all the time. So I put that on stories. I was like, what the fuck do I do with this box? Um, people, people were like, they're like, oh, give, give them out to all the girls at the next girls night in. I was like, nobody wants these. That's not going to happen. No way. Um, if you come to a girls night in event, I, I prefer to give you like beauty products or like some kind of like bath bomb or like a sheet mask or something cozy or like some kind of something that I would be excited about. I'm not giving anybody Mickey Mouse ears. And, uh, and people were like, donate them to a children's hospital. Um, and I was like, that's a great idea. But you know what I'm probably going to do? I'm either going to call Target, have them pick them up, or I'm returning them to the store and getting store credit and not giving it to my mom. Does that make me a monster? I just, I just need this box out of my house. I've got a hot guy coming to town on Saturday. I can't have a big crazy box of Mickey Mouse ears in my place. And... Um, and I will do something good with that uh, store credit if I actually even get it. I don't even know if that would work, but I just got to get this box out of my house. Um, anyway, you guys, listen, I'm going to put a pin in this for two seconds. And I'll be right back after this break. Success and persona, and I guess not. I don't know. I mean, it's not like I go out and hold a gun to their head and say, you know, you're going out with me. Old men are just too nervous about what it is that I'm going to say or, you know, that I'm going to tie them up in the bedroom or I, I, who knows what they're afraid of. You know, it's like, oh, here she comes. Yes, yeah, But they're still looking. Esquire magazine will feature her in its annual Women We Love issue and the feelings mutual. You said a man is not a necessity. A man is a luxury like dessert. Yeah. Man, it's absolutely not necessity. Did you mean that to sound mean and bitter? Oh, not at all. I adore dessert. I love men. I think men are the coolest. But you don't really need them to live. My mom said to me, you know, sweetheart, one day you should settle down and marry a rich man. And I said, Mom, I am a rich man. You know? My experience with men is great because I pick them because I like them. I don't need them. We're back. That was one of my favorite share quotes ever. I adore share. Uh, and that is a classic share quote. Uh, by the way, earlier, uh, before in that eon of an intro or what have you, when I said all I want to do is lay around on a couch, uh, wearing something comfortable, texting and being on Instagram and having sex with the guy I'm dating. I mean, I didn't really mean that. I just, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you want to relax and do nothing. That's all I really want to do. Watch movies and just uh, veg out, as they say, on my couch, doing all those things. But in reality, unfortunately or fortunately, I'm, uh, you know, I put all this pressure on myself because I have an innate 
desire to put my thoughts and ideas and personality out into the world because that's what brings me joy and makes me feel like, you know, that's what my, my purpose in this lifetime is. Anyway, so I just didn't want to make anybody think that, uh, you know, that I'm just some lazy bum jerk who only wants to have sex with some cute guy. That's just one aspect of me, okay? How dare you? Anyway, we have so many emails. I'm going to get to reading all of the emails right now. I'm so flattered and shocked and excited that you guys sent me all these incredible emails. Um, here's the setup, just so you can imagine uh, in your mind's eye of what's happening where I am right now. I have three different types of essential oils all set up in front of me just for moral and you know uh, moral support. Uh, peppermint, spearmint, and lemongrass. I don't know when I'm going to use them during this podcast, but they're there for me just in case. Motivational support. Uh, I have a spindrift, a grapefruit-flavored spindrift, sparkling water uh, that I got from Trader Joe's. The show's not sponsored by them, but it should be. And I have lip balm that is in a container shaped like a pineapple. So that's where I'm at right now. Okay, first email happening now. She writes, I used an alias for my letter. Thank you for reading. It says, hey, Lexi, thank you for making your podcast. I listen to your show every week and love you and your perspective. It is very motivating for me in a lot of ways. I'm 28 and live in the Pacific Northwest working as a photographer. My ex-boyfriend of two years and I recently broke up after a dark couple of months of us trying to work out our problems. We were intensely in love in the beginning, so I was clinging to this feeling, but towards the end, he never made me feel safe and was always pursuing friendships with other women that were clearly crossing boundaries. He is a very flirtatious person, which he also often guilted me into accepting about his personality. I tried to play cool girl for a while and experiment with these concepts of openness, but no clear rules were ever set, and through this relationship, I became a very small and insecure version of myself. I also started dating him immediately when I moved to a new city, so I think I was afraid of starting over socially. After the breakup, we had a mutual friend who was a girl who was very intent on maintaining friendships with both of us. I met her through him, so I appreciated this and genuinely felt safe with her. She checked on me often. She even made plans to go on a trip uh, during a time when we knew my ex had other plans to travel. Long story short, after two weeks of this, she ghosted me. Shortly after... They both come out to me as dating, dating, ha ha, full on. It was shocking and has been extremely painful imagining her stepping into the life I had just stepped out of. I can imagine even the smallest details of their daily routine together. She was giving me breakup support while doing this, yuck. They both sent me some lame version of an apology message saying they never wanted to hurt me and I have not replied and it was, it's been three weeks. I feel powerful in my silence, but I also have times when I can't stop thinking about the things I want to express. My trust in friendships is feeling broken from both an important past lover and a female friend. I need advice on how to handle this. Thank you, Lexi. Love, Margaret. P.S. But I have been meditating daily and honestly, I'm so energized. I'm, I'm, amidst the trauma, uh, breakups are kind of magical, actually. Oh my goodness, Margaret. First of all, I am, I'm more happy than anything that you're just out of this bogus relationship where it's like your intuition was telling you like, what the fuck? He's hanging out with these other girls. There are no boundaries. He's pulling a fast one on you. It's, it's just out of your comfort level. It's not what you want for yourself. And you knew that and it wasn't working. 
But of course, you've had sex with him. You're attached to him. You spent time with him. I'm sure there are many elements and aspects you liked about him. And then this girl comes in the picture, and she pulls the rug out from under you. But here's the thing. Like you said, breakups are magical. Meditating is wonderful. And now you have all this insight and information as to what you want for yourself, what you don't want for yourself. And I swear to God, you know, if you keep meditating and you get quiet with yourself and you listen to your intuition and you make lists of what you want for your life and your career and where you want to travel and what kind of romantic partner you want in your life and what kind of friends you want to be surrounded by and supported by, then you just get more specific on what works for you and then you're quicker to follow your intuition. And you know what? Don't be completely devastated and lose hope in friendships with girls because this is just one person and you're working on yourself and now you're going to be a little bit more... Uh, I mean, I don't even know how you were supposed to know uh, that this girl was crummy, but whatever. So you learned something. You're stronger. You've grown from the situation. And uh, and it's good for you anyway because you're in this new city and you should be meeting other people and dating lots of people. And I feel like you're young. I feel... I'm not exactly sure how old you said you were. Maybe 28 or something. Yeah, you're fine. You're going to be fine. And it sucks. But sometimes... Th- this used to always be my favorite part of a breakup is like, you know, stewing in the breakup, watching tons of movies, reading self-help books, listening to podcasts, uh, just like hanging out with girlfriends, making new friends, going on new dates, getting on an app, just like going out dancing, crying, writing in your journal. So it is such a wonderful like kind of like excuse for like a rebirth and a reset. So it's all a good thing. Nothing is bad. It's all learning experience. But I'm sorry that happened to you, but I don't, I don't feel sorry for you. I'm just sorry that happened, but you're going to be better for it. Um, okay. I mean, God, I could just talk about that for the, like the next two hours. <laughs> Your email, but I've got to get like to like 30 emails. Oh, all right. I've got the mic set up on a mic stand. All right. Um, I'm using my arms a lot and they're just flailing. Okay. This one says, uh, this one is from Zoe. Hi, Lexi. I just started listening to your podcast this year and I love it. I'm an Aquarius too. I don't know what that means, but we have a lot in common when it comes to feelings. I noticed a few podcasts, uh, in a few podcasts, you mentioned picking at your face and bikini line when you're stressed. I really appreciate your honesty about this because a lot of people do it to varying degrees, but virtually nobody talks about it. There's an actual disorder, not sure if you... Uh, you know, how you feel about the word disorder, but there is an actual word for it that only a few years ago I became, uh, that officially became recognized by the mental health community as, oh, wow, I don't even know if I can pronounce this word, exoriation disorder. Uh, it is essentially a name for compulsive skin picking uh, severe enough to affect someone's ability to function normally in life. I have been picking at my face since I was 14 years old and I'm 29 now. If I let myself pick at one spot, I end up zoning out in front of the mirror for 45 minutes, causing damage to my skin. It's scary to feel like I'm not in control of my body. And afterwards, I'm left feeling all kinds of shame, guilt, self-hatred, and worry. I rely on makeup daily to hide the damage caused by my own hands. And I dream of a day where I could wake up and just go out without checking my reflection. It's such a blow to the self-esteem to go through this negative cycle. And it can be very isolating, especially in the beginning as a lot of people suffering from this think they're alone. So thank you for mentioning something nobody talks about. It makes a difference. And I really look up to you for being unapologetically yourself. You're beautiful inside and out. Love, Zoe. Oh, 
my God. Thank you, Zoe. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, well, thank you for the beautiful, kind words. And uh, you know what? Yeah, I completely relate to you. And uh, there, an episode of this podcast where we talk a lot about that, I don't know if you heard it, was the episode with um, Charles Rogers. He's the co-creator of Search Party and the co-writer and co-director of a really great movie that anybody should watch called Fort Tilden. And he's one of my good friends. And uh, he does that. There's a thing where, oh, there are two different things. Um, not to, you know, put him on blast. But uh, there's compulsive plucking, like plucking of hairs. And there's also like picking at your face and like, you know, and he talks about plucking. And I have done that and I do that occasionally. And, and I'll tell you when I do that. And I think it speaks to when he does it as well. It's a control thing. It's like let's say your life is feeling unmanageable or you feel out of control and you just are totally stressed and anxiety ridden. And no, I had never heard that clinical term you, you referenced, but thank you for that. Um, it's always nice to learn something new, but, uh, I would do this thing where I would lose hours, like plucking at my bikini line. Like I, it's like, I wouldn't even have to go get wax cause I'd like make my bikini line perfection by individually plucking out the hairs on my bikini line. Like that's, pretty intense and uh but it made me I think it what it does is it releases endorphin so it's like you're getting this like rush of endorphins doing it and makes you just feel like okay life is crazy and out of control but everything is fine right now and you're like and then you know I would lose hours doing that the face picking thing oh you know that's another compulsion and that also releases dopamine um is it dopamine I think it is dopamine Oh, God. And I can't tell you. I so relate to you. I know a million people listening uh, could relate to skin picking. It's like you zone out, you glaze over, you're watching TV, or you're looking at yourself in the mirror. You find find a tiny bump. Even even if it's not like a fully realized zit, you find like a bump and you're like, I got to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to take care of this. Again, another control thing. Another like, I got to look into what all that means. But yes, um... And the way I've been trying to not do that is, you know, depending on if I do meditate, not to keep talking about meditation, but I swear to God, it works. If I meditate and I'm calmer and meditating completely helps, I've been meditating twice a day, 15 minutes twice a day. Um, And I do this grounding meditation that one of my guests did with me on the show. And I just listened to the snippet of us on the show together. It's like a seven minute grounding meditation I did with my guest Maxine oh god I'm gonna forget her name her name is Maxine I'm blanking on her last name but she is uh, an energy healer and uh, and I'll do that in the morning and then I'll do another meditation like midday and it just it really does help with, with like picking at your face and bikini line and stuff like that and just like, or your back or, or, or you know, behind your leg, wherever there's like bumps to be found. And I call it doing surgery on my face or doing surgery on my body. But I had to stop talking about it like that because so many people in Los Angeles and in the world do filler or do Botox or get plastic surgery that when I would say, oh, when I would refer to a zit that I like made a million times worse and fucked with. So now it's like a scab on my face. I would feel the need, which is also ridiculous, to ex- to call attention to it. Uh, apologize for it and refer to it as, oh, look at this thing on my face. Oh, sorry. Um, you know, I did surgery on my face yesterday, but people in LA would be like, oh, you did? Who'd you go to? 
And I'd be like, no, it's just my funny way of saying, like, I picked at my face. Anyway, but um, well, I'm glad I made you feel a little bit less alone. And you know what helps? Putting a mask on your face. I use this True Self Organic, um, True Self Organics mask. Um, or you could use anything. You could use like a, a mint julep green Queen Helene mask, which is like available at like Walgreens or whatever, and it's so cheap. Just use some kind of nice clay mask that's not too crazy on your skin. Put that on your face. Then you're you're less inclined to pick at it. You know, just cover it up and don't touch it and leave it alone. But it's easier not to touch when you've got a fucking, you know, mask on your face. Anyway, um, next email. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, she says, anonymous, please. All right. Dear Lexi, first of all, I love your podcast, and I wish we lived in the same city so we could be friends. I'm 23, and I have never been in a long-term relationship. I dated a few guys in high school and had high hopes for more mature relationships in college, but that did not happen. If anything, I found more of a maturity gap between myself uh, and the guys I went to college with than I did in high school, and I was completely disenchanted by the hookup culture. At this time in my life, I was really, uh, I'd really, really, really like to be in a stable relationship. I want someone sweet and interesting and trustworthy that I can cook dinner and watch movies with and that I can talk to about anything. I've been on dating apps, but I haven't had much luck. Most of the dates I've been on, I haven't been that into the guy. And the one guy I was into ghosted me after the second date. I find online dating exhausting and just don't have have the energy for it at all. But at the same time, I'm pretty introverted and don't really go out to bars, so I feel like there isn't much opportunity to spontaneously meet someone either. I just want a cozy boyfriend that I can vent to about my anxieties, bring home to meet my family and bake cookies for. Is that too much to ask for a kind of for for kind of a quiet homebody? I can really put myself out there when I feel comfortable, but it has to be with but it has to be with the right person. How do I find him? Thanks for being such a badass role model. Love, Anonymous. Oh, my God. my I totally get you. You're 23. Jesus, I should start a dating uh, like website. I should be a matchmaker. My goodness. I don't blame you for what you want. At least you're clear on the kind of relationship you want. I mean, I'm dating someone I met on Tinder. Can you believe it? I can't even believe it. So... And usually I think Tinder is a cesspool, but all it takes is one. So I know you're disenchanted with dating apps. I totally get it. But you know what? I'm going to make you read Getting to I Do. Disregard the ridiculous, bogus, uh, you know, unfeminist title and just fucking read it. Get it on iTunes. It's like $4 and you just read it on your phone. And um, it's really fun. It makes you feel girly whatever that means. It makes you feel feminine and excited about life and dating and men and women and energy and female energy and masculine, feminine energy and masculine energy. And, uh, and then just, there's even a book called Having It All by Helen Gurley Brown and the single girl, wait, single, Sex and the Single Girl, I think it's called. Another book by Helen Gurley Brown, Sex and the Single Girl. These are all slightly sexist books but as a feminist, because I assume every girl and every man, every awoken man listening to this podcast, uh, you know, is a feminist. So when you're reading this old timey literature about dating and men and women, just take the good stuff and leave the bad stuff and anything that's like, he should beat you up. Just throw that aside. <laughs> none, of it says, none of it says that. It really doesn't. Um, but if anything is like ridiculously uh, embarrassing 
and not feminist. Just leave that aside. And, um, you know, just get back on, get on the dating app. I think dating apps are really good for introverted people. You know, like I'm an extrovert introvert, but, you know, I don't really have problems talking to strangers. But for the kind of relationship I want, I want to be treated I want to be the feminine energy in the relationship. I want the guy to make the first move and all that. And at least, you know, since it is the future and you could meet a guy in person at a party for sure. You can make eye contact with him, give him a vibe, let him know you're into him without saying a word. He walks over to you, starts a conversation if he wants to. You get to a drink. Hopefully he doesn't roofie it. You're living your lives in the real world, flirting. That's great. But, you know, why not also be on an app? Why not also be on an app to see who else you might meet? And I like to write on the app, uh, I like to write that I don't message first. I put that in my bio where it's like, I like it so much more when the man messages first. That way, if the guy's interested and he wants to meet you or talk to you, he'll message first. For me, it is important that the guy messages first. I just want that for myself. So you know, then you're covering all your bases. And also, sometimes the best men are working. Maybe they're kind of introverted. Maybe they're a little bit shy. Maybe they're just busy and working a ton and like behind some computer screen or in a cubicle or at the office or wherever they are. Editing bay. And uh, I don't know, behind their computer somewhere, focusing on their life and their career. And what do men know? They want to meet women. They don't know what the fuck to do. Like, and they don't overthink dating apps, I don't think. You know, they're all on Tinder and Bumble. It's all the same. All the same guys are on all the same apps. Even Raya, they're all on the same apps. So just go through all the bios, all the photos, swipe, 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 swipe. And when you find a guy that you really think is attractive and he doesn't seem like a douche and you read his bio and you find out, oh, cool, he's like, he seems like not a creep, murderer, then, you know, you swipe right and you see what he does with that. And, you you know, and all it takes is one, again, is what I'm saying. So, and it's kind of a blessing that this guy ghosted you because better he ghosted you sooner than later. Who knows what's going on with him? He's probably a drug addict. He's probably like a sex murderer, rapist, probably a sexy murderer, rapist, drug addict, narcissist, sociopath. Okay. So you lucked out. Anyway, good luck to you. You're going to find what you want. And also, I'm going to tell you again, all these Lacey Phillips exercises I did where you write the list of what you want in your ideal relationship, every detail, write every detail of what you want and even write what you don't want and write a list of everything you bring to the table. It's so fun. It like makes you kind of get off on yourself and like it just gets you really clear and start to daydream and get excited about what's to come. So it's like just like really magical exercise to do to keep you busy. Take lots of apps. Take lots of Epsom salt baths, masturbate, and uh, hang out with your friends and go dancing and focus on your career and, you know, daydreaming about your life and uh, everything's going to be fine. All right. Here's the next one. Whew. Oh, boy. First, I want to say how much I love your show and your tangential journeys with amazing people. I'm 26 and I've been in a relationship for six years, uh, exactly six years next month. And I recently found out that last year, a month after our anniversary, my boyfriend cheated on me. He says he only slept with this woman one time, but they recorded it. And that's how I found out. Oh my God. Sex tapes never stay hidden. And he kept the video. His words were, I haven't talked to her since. I feel extremely bad and regret it. 
and you are all I want forever. That's what the boyfriend said to her. We had plans to get married and have kids and build a whole life together, but if he asked me to marry him tomorrow, I know I would say no. It's been about a month since all of this went down, and I am struggling figuring out if I should still try with him. I love him so much, maybe too much, and I love myself. I am just at a loss. I'm so heartbroken, but I'd be more heartbroken if I left. I just don't know. I'd love to hear your opinion. Signed, Ash. Oh, my God. Ash. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, my gut reaction is get out of there. He made a fucking sex tape with the girl he cheated on you with. I am done. You've been together for six years. You want to marriage? You want to get married and have kids with this guy? I would lose all trust. I'm sorry. I would walk out that door. I know it's not easy. I know it's easier said than done. But you're asking me. You sent this email to me. Ugh. Oh, my God. I feel for you. I feel like I've been punched in the stomach. I can't fucking believe this. Not only did he cheat on you, he didn't tell you about it, and you found the sex tape that he made cheating on you. Oh, my God. How can you ever trust him again? I don't trust him again. He's not even my boyfriend. I've never even met him. Anyway, that's my feeling on that, Ashley. Jesus Christ. I am so sorry. Um, if you live in Los Angeles, please come to a girl's night in and let me give you a hug. Jesus Christ. God. Oh, men, please don't cheat. Oh, boy. Oh God. Oh, I'm taking all this very personally because I just started dating someone and I'm so crazy about him that I feel like, ugh, I don't like hearing these stories. You put so much trust in people, you know, you, you meet a person, you open your heart. Sometimes it's very hard to open your heart. You know, it's a scary thing. You let somebody inside you physically, emotionally, and, uh, and you just have to trust someone. You just have to Take, you have to take a leap of faith. And then when something like that happens, it's so gut-wrenching and it fucks you up and it fucks you up for the future with other people. If you start dating again and try to start over and it's like, but you can't stop believing in love. That's the thing. You have to like keep yourself open. Again, easier said than done. Oh my goodness. Six years. And I know people change and I know people are fallible. People are not perfect. People do cheat, but it's like, if two people make a promise to each other and they say they're not going to cheat and they say they're going to be monogamous and that's what they're both signing up for because I'm, I don't you, anybody have whatever relationship you want. If you're like polyamorous, if you're have an open relationship, whatever, great it has nothing to do with me. All I care about is the kind of relationship I want for myself and what I'm promised and what I promise to the person I'm dating. Uh, the two people in the relationship have to be on the same page. So if, one person goes out of that, you know, contract, you know, essentially it's just, it's a contract, you know, then you, you've, you've broken the trust of the relationship and it's fucked up because it's like, you know, I, I know cheating happens, but if you're cheating for whatever reason, you know, even if it's not nothing personal to the person you're dating, they, they, they're like a fool because they, they have opportunities too, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Like Ashley's not just some dumb boob, you know, she's not some like piece of garbage. She has options. Maybe she is a, a longing or a crush on somebody or somebody finds her attractive and that seems inter interesting to her, but she's not doing that because, because, it, you know, it's more detrimental than it's worth. She doesn't want to lose the trust of the relationship she's in. Like, that's the beautiful thing about a relationship is like, uh, it's like you're forming, you form a partnership. It's like, it becomes bigger than, you know, then the two people, it's just like, 
it's there's you, there's the other person, and then there's the relationship. And it's like, you know, you're building towards something that's greater than both of you. That's what I heard. Oh my God, who am I? I'm like growing up. I used to be like the most all over the place, like, I mm, can't even get into it. I've always been a romantic, but I, I've, uh, it's so weird. I've always been a romantic and into dating, but always with the hope of falling madly in love and being able to trust one person. And, uh, and I've had that here and there, but, uh, I also think being single is wonderful. You know, don't be scared of being single. Don't be scared of, of surviving a breakup, even though you've been together for six years. I was in a five year thing and I was engaged. I was very young and I thought, how am I going to do this? How am I going to leave? How am I going to move out and like extricate like myself from this relationship? I'm so just enmeshed with it. It's like, it was just, I I didn't know how I was going to get out. I thought I was going to die. I just didn't think I was strong enough. And, and I, and I'm here I am today. Totally fine. You're so powerful. You're totally fine. And also like, if you do decide to leave something better, or just as good or more right for you is out there. But only you know what you're going to do. You can go to couples counseling. You can write in your journal. You can just choose to move forward if he promises that he won't do that again. I don't know. It's up to you, but you have to listen to your intuition. And again, meditating gets you uh, calm and quiet and grounded so you can actually listen to what your body's trying to tell you. But don't be afraid to leave if if that's what you feel is the right move. All right. Yikes. I'm going to go on to this message. Um, all right. This is from Vanessa. She says, hi, Alexi. I'm a huge fan, weekly listener, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for having the conversations you have. Your show is my little corner where I can be a girl and feel like my intensity is normal and valid. I currently work at a Montessori teacher's, as a Montessori teacher's assistant in Louisville, Kentucky, and have been at my school for five years. I'm also in a bilingual band with my soon-to-be husband. That sounds so weird still. We mostly do shows for children and families. Our goal is to have shows and make music that is for all listeners and that bonds everyone of all ages. We've been working on this project for two years, and I made the decision this year to leave my school and dedicate all of my time to traveling and playing shows. This was a huge, terrifying step for me, but I'm really excited to have taken the leap And I sincerely want to thank you because listening to your show and reflecting on your outlook on taking these kinds of leaps of faith has really supported me through this this very intense decision. Currently, I'm facing a really awful gaslighting situation with the administration at my school. They aren't taking the news of me leaving very well. And I feel like if I didn't have such a strong foundation of support and larger perspective that I'm able to see from listening to all the free and beautiful and thriving people you have on your show, it'd be really hard for me to see my way through clearly enough to actually leave. So again, thank you so much. Take care, Vanessa. P.S. I didn't want to be weird and send you my music or my music videos in this message because I didn't want to taint the uh, the giant thank you that this message truly is. But if you're at all interested in listening and watching, please let me know and I'll send you some links. Lots of love, Vanessa. I totally do want to hear your stuff. Vanessa, email me links to your stuff. I might only click on one link, but I want to, I want a link. God damn it. And thank you for the compliments. Oh my goodness. Everything's a leap of faith, isn't it? Love, career, following your intuition. I feel like I'm just going to be a broken record saying all these things. Oh my goodness. Um, all right. 
Alexi, I really uh, enjoy watching your Instagram stories and your personality. You make me laugh and it's fun to watch. I originally heard you as a guest on the Very Single podcast and you mentioned you had written out your deal breakers and deal makers, basically the type of man and relationship you wanted to manifest. Can you go through what this exercise was like and instructions on how to do it on your own? I thought I had mine figured out, but then I started dating this guy who, based on what I had written down, fit to a T, but it was too general. He should be patient, considerate, and kind, among many other things. And he was, but then why didn't I feel anything else for him? Just saw your post about the man you're dating sending you flowers. He seems great, and you seem very happy. Congratulations. And you're right. Seriously, if a guy wants to make someone melt, send the lady some goddamn flowers. It really is that simple. Okay, I'm done writing, I'm done writing this book. I hope you read this. And if not, well, at least I sent it into the email abyss. Cheers, Isa. Isa, oh my God. Um, so you just have to refine that list. And also, great, he was all these things on your list, but you didn't have the chemistry. You weren't vibing him. You weren't into it. Great, at least you know it. On to the next. And write that down on your list. You have great chemistry. You are happy when you're with him. I like to make a reciprocal list and write all the things I don't want either. I don't want a smoker. He's kind. He's thoughtful. I feel happy and calm with him. These are just like examples of a list that you could write down. Um, yeah, I like how I feel when I'm around him. We have great sexual chemistry. We have epic sex. We can have sex a ton. Uh, the kisses are great. He likes kissing. He doesn't dislike public displays of affection. He likes kissing me in public. I respect him. He respects me. We laugh together. I can be my complete self with him. Whatever. You just write all these things. He's kind. I trust him. He's grounded. Uh, I'm completely myself and I'm around him. I'm calm, just whatever. You just think of everything uh, and and get like a blank book, get like a blank spiral journal notebook with no lines and a pen from like Target for like no money for like $2 and go mental. And it's so fun. Draw an Epsom salt bath, light a candle, light some incense. I really love Japanese plum incense that I get at a store called Lucky Scent. It's actually called Scent Bar on Beverly Boulevard. It's my favorite secret little hidden spot. Uh, but online, it's called Lucky Scent. And get it's called Japanese plum incense. And I light that or two, two sticks of that. And I write, you know, I wrote this list. And, um, and you don't settle until you get what you want. You're always going to be okay. Being single is great. You're fine. If you never have a baby, if you never get married, if you don't have a boyfriend, whatever, you're fine. You have friends, there's career stuff to do, money to be made, things to learn, podcasts to listen to, movies to see, you know, go dancing, whatever. Who cares? So many things to do. But, I mean, because I think like being by yourself is so much better than being with the wrong person. And uh, if you're going to imagine like your dream person, yeah, go big. Write down every little detail. So now you get a little bit more specific. We've got great chemistry and that magic, the magic that surrounds two people. I like to call it like an invisible bubble. I call it a love bubble <laughs> um, because it's just like, it's like there's a spell cast on both of you at the same time. Because I think we've all been in situations where you're like, maybe you're in the love bubble, but that other person is not in the bubble. And you're like, ugh, you know it, you can feel it. And it feels uncomfortable. And you feel like you're chasing them and you're tugging at them to pay attention to you or text you. And you're trying to get texts going and you're like, Ah, that's not what you're, what you're striving for. Okay. Ideally, 
you can't do anything wrong because the person likes you just as much as you like them. You're both in the love bubble. It's an invisible bubble, magical bubble. And you feel like you're drunk even when you're sober and you just want to look at them and they want to look at you and you could do anything and you can walk around the city and hold hands and kiss and it's just you and the whole world. You can't see anybody. Who knows what's going on around you? You're just walking walking down the street and all you can see is one another and it's great and you laugh and, and it's just like, and you're so happy. It's such an interesting thing because I forgot about this because I became dead inside for a little bit. <laughs> oh God. Okay. I became dead inside for a tiny bit. As far as love was concerned, I was like dating and I did take a, a year off and then I dated and then I was like, ugh, and I took four months off and I was like dating people, but I was like more stressed about it than into it. I was like, yay, somebody's paying attention to me or I have a date tonight. So I have, I've got, I've got something to stress out over. I've got to make sure my face looks cute and find an outfit. And you know, it was just, it was so stressful. Dating is so fucking stressful. Whether you like a person or don't like a person or not sure if you like a person, cause you gotta, as a woman, it's like, you don't gotta do anything, but I'll tell you, you know, I'm, I'm traditional. I'm a cisgender traditional girl with bangs living in Los Angeles, just a white girl with bangs living her life in Los Angeles, who shaves her legs every day and does all the stuff she thinks she's supposed to do as a woman. So bear with me. Okay. Just take that for what it is anyway. But, uh, but yeah. So if I'd go on a date, I'd be like, Oh my God, got to make sure my skin's okay. Better not pick at my face. Sometimes or like better make sure my bikini lines in order. Um, or I wouldn't do anything in my bikini line because I'd be like, Oh, if I don't wax or if I don't shave or if I, or if I fuck with my bikini line plucking, uh, and it looks and I have like a mark from plucking out, like whatever, then I'll keep them out of my private. So I won't have sex too soon. But then that's exactly when you end up having sex is when your legs aren't shaved and your bikini lines fucked or unruly. So anyway, and then you got to worry about like matching or I do worry about matching bra and undies. Is your hair looking good? How are your bangs looking? What shoes are you wearing with that outfit? Did you, did you already see that outfit? What? Oh my God. I mean, I don't even know if guys care about this stuff, but I think they do. I don't know. Do you have your perfume? Does your lipstick taste like shit? Is it horrible? Is your breath okay? Do you have Listerine Minster? I mean, these are the thoughts that go on in my head. And I meditate twice a day. Can you imagine if I didn't? But uh, I know I'm just voicing all your thoughts, girls. I know I am. Okay? Let me... Let me put myself out there so people can judge me and be like, hey, calm down. You need to fucking relax. You're like, you're like overthinking. Meanwhile, all these other girls are silently emailing me being like, me too. Hashtag me too. About like beauty and fitness and dating. I mean, not about like, you know, sexual abuse and stuff like that. Um, that's a whole other me too. Okay. So I'm going to read another email. But wait, did I make my full on point with what I was saying? Lacey Phillips. I've already mentioned that a ton. The partnership exercise was so great and uh, workshop that seemed to be helpful. But uh, yeah, I think I dropped the ball on my point, but I've got emails to read. How dare you? All right. Next one. Hi, Alexi. I found your podcast because a friend of mine sent me uh, your breakup video on Vimeo. It resonated me. Oh God. It resonated with me beyond belief. I was slash am in a relationship for five years. During the last six months, I started bringing marriage up, something I've been wanting but too afraid to bring up for the past two years. And his reactions have ranged from panic to confusion to silence. It all boiled over uh, two weeks ago. Okay, it all boiled over 
two weeks ago when he couldn't even talk about it. He admitted to me that he had reservations but wouldn't go into what they were. I started to cry and I told him I couldn't keep doing this, that I needed a final answer. I told him to take space if that's what he needed to do to figure it out. I guess that's where we are. It's been two weeks and we have not spoken. He texts me goodnight here and there and even had the audacity to text me, I love you. Uh, he texted her, I love you. Not sure what's going on, but I just wanted you to know that I'm thinking about you. To which I responded, what is going on is that you are supposed to be taking the time to think about what you want. I want marriage and I am ready to be your life partner and I deserve the same commitment and clarity from you. If you can't give me that, I need to know. He did not respond to that. I'm in so much pain. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's being in limbo necessarily because when I think about the end of the relationship and starting over at 33, it makes me feel sick. During the week, I'm okay because work is very busy, but weekends are tough. I spent yesterday curled up crying and watching Sex in the City. Today has been the same so far. I keep crying in public, so I am trying to stay indoors. Any thoughts and advice would be awesome. Thank you, Lexi. Signed, Christina. Well, I hope you're watching Sex in the City, the show, and not either of the two movies, because those movies fucking suck. And uh, I should know, because I saw them both on opening night, and I bought three seats for myself at the Arclight, and I didn't even go with anyone. I just sat alone in my seat, but I didn't want anybody to bother me on either side, so I just bought the other two seats, because they were assigned seating. Anyway, what a waste of money. Four extra tickets uh, that you know didn't need to be purchased. Oh, my God. Okay, back to your email. I want to commend you for being so honest. The way you're handling your relationship is, is a beautiful thing because it's very scary to be vulnerable and honest and actually say how you're feeling and what you need. And I don't know what's going to happen for you. I, I, I'm just, I'm in awe of you. I think that's really brave. And you guess you just have to be prepared because he might not be ready or you guys might break up. I've heard lots of stories you know, even, oh God, my next guest for next week is Adam Goldberg. And he was telling me he's a, he's an actor and a musician and a filmmaker and he's married and he has a kid now with his wife. And, uh, even he told me like during their relationship, she got to the same point as you. And she was like, what are we doing? And he wasn't sure. And he couldn't figure it out and he felt stressed and scared and, uh, and they broke up and then, they end up getting back together and they have, they have a child and a nice life and they're happy and they're married. And so you never know what's going to happen, but because there's no rule book and people do get scared. And I just think it's great that you know what you want and that you told him because a lot of other people would just keep it inside and hang out with somebody for years and years and years, like, and get more and more annoyed and resent the guy that they're dating and, you know, and just keep it all inside. So I'm glad you guys are taking your space. But God, let me know what happens. Oh, fuck. What if I get in this situation? <laughs> God, I'm like panicking. It's like hard enough for, so all these emails are ranging from like trying to find a relationship, getting out of a relationship, being uncomfortable while they're in the relationship, being with somebody so long that you're at the point where you want to get married, but now you've hit this hiccup because the guy is like terrified and unsure. It's like, Jesus Christ, does it ever get effortless? I mean, I feel pretty good right now, but I'm only two months in the, with the guy I'm dating. But uh, I mean, I guess ideally, 
you'd hope that you're always on the same page with the person you're dating, but it just doesn't happen because they're two different personalities and two different people involved in the relationship. But really, men, when you're with a girl for years and the girl tells you, I mean, are we supposed to tell a guy and check in with him when we first start dating and be like, oh, by the way, like, do you want to get married and have kids ever? And the guys, you know, you hope the guy says yes, if that's what you want. And then, you know, and then you go, okay, cool. Like, are you supposed to check in with a person like and vice versa? Like, yeah, I do. Do you? And then you go, yeah. Is that like some kind of like thing you're supposed to do? Oh my God. This is the first time I've ever been this age in my life. I am in, I am in my thirties. Okay. And I have always been running from imperfect relationships or, you know, I've always been in search of something and running from stuff that like I didn't feel was right and I don't know what it would be like to find something that's right and I've never been at this time wait what did I just say uh and so it's interesting because for me I'm at a point in my life where I'm like calmer I'm more mellow I'm not trying to like be at a club or go to see bands play and make out with everybody and I don't have all this like I have so much energy I have like tons of energy but I don't have like this wild I feel like I'm a normal person like how normal girls were when I met them or normal men or and women were when like even in teens and 20s where they're like very grounded normal and like healthy and making good choices for themselves like I feel like I've only reached that point now in my life because before I was like wow oh my goodness living from you know so crazy we're all just gonna die man we gotta do all these crazy things you know, where I was having all these romantic dalliances with people totally wrong for me and I knew it and it was just unhealthy and bad and and I thought maybe like all men hate women and I had all these stories running in my head like men hate women, men are always running from women, they go towards them but then they want to get away from them and no, no man wants to get married or have kids but I actually am feeling like that's just what I was tuned into and I don't want to be tuned into that frequency or you know or what, or what have you anymore I want to be tuned into the the frequency of like people who want a healthy relationship and partnership and beautiful romantic love slash uh healthy safe cozy like relationships anyway so it's interesting so I can relate to you and the things that you want for yourself and it's terrifying to me that you could end up with somebody for six years and be that invested and then not know if they're going to meet you where you're at emotionally. Ugh. So I don't even know what I can say. Please keep us posted. Please. And again, so proud of you for being such a fucking badass and, and you know, taking care of yourself and communicating. Cause so many people are such bad communicators. Um, all right, this next email is from Grace, and it says, Alexi, are you kidding me? That was my impression of you, Alexi. Did it translate? Love, love, love the show. Where to begin? Inspiring, earnest, and vulnerable. Your unique style keeps drawing me back every week. I thought that your rant on Insta stories on this week's podcast was so relatable and timely. I've embraced social media more than ever, Twitter and Instagram. Specifically, it's fun, informative, and I think it taps into that part of us that's true. And by true, I mean, it's that part of us that wants to connect, explore, and share. It's a channel that we keep clear uh, by being vulnerable. 
by being ourselves, which you are fantastic at doing. Anyways, side note of a side note, I also share your love of a triple shot espresso drink. Lately, my favorite treat is a Starbucks flat white with almond milk and three shots. I need to invest in an an espresso maker to make it myself, honestly. I feel like this is my love letter to you, but it's also only fitting since you bring so much love to the world. Keep it up, girl. You are doing such great work. Love, Grace, a.k.a. fangirl alert, XOXO, heart emoji. Oh, my God, my eyes just welled up. Like, I think it's just dawning on me that I'm getting all these emails from strangers that I don't know from various parts of, like, the country and, you know, and the the world. This is crazy. So thank you for that kind letter, Grace. That's so wonderful. Thank you for your impression of me. I think it was great. Um, oh my God. I think Andy Cohen from Bravo, he also does uh he says, are you kidding me? Or he goes, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I love Andy Cohen. If I had a dinner party, I tried to do this on my Insta stories the other day, but I messed it up because I left some core pivotal people out. If I had a dinner party, I would want like living or dead. Here's who would be there. Uh, Cher, Joan Didion, Joan Rivers, Gary Shandling, Oprah, oh, who else? Oh, God. Howard Stern, Larry Charles, Larry David. Oh, God, it's getting kind of a downer. Uh, who else? Oh, no, uh, not Madonna. Fuck. Did I say Gary Shandling? <laughs> um, yeah, Andy Cohen. And I can't think of anybody else. Shit. I'm blanking. Oh, well. We'll get back to that. You should, like, email me who I should have at the dinner party. Um, all right. Okay, what are we doing? What are we doing? Another email. This one is from Nikki. Hi, so I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and your energy and openness has become something I look forward to listening to each week with your different guests. I have heard you talking about your Girls' Night In events, and I'm super excited in how you got started holding them and how you grew the base of people who came. So what, it was just the same five people each week? Ha ha. To be transparent and totally honest, I love its concept and it's something I could totally see bringing to the city I'm in. I moved to Connecticut about six years ago, uh, you know, in July, and it's been rough. Switching countries and making new friends is no easy task. I would love some insight and some thoughts from you as maybe I can bring something similar to light on the opposite coast. I have been contemplating random events held in my home, wine, of course, with a mind to break people with a mind to break people down so to say and create some sort of openness in which people would just leave and revert back to their phones and only use social media as a form of disconnected connection wait did i read that right all right i'm gonna keep going i want to be friends like it's 1991 haha sure people can text and like photos but who the fuck wants to go get brunch hit a flea market see a shitty band or go hike a mountain together let's build some legit friendships I'm not honestly sure if there's a full question in there, but any advice you have or whatever would be totally cool. Signed, Nikki. Um, okay. Uh, I go- P.S. I googled a while versus a while to make sure I got this one right. And I'm still confused-ish, so I don't know if it's right. But I do know the word while is strange to say solo a lot without sounding like a douche or stewie from Family Guy when he says cool whip. Oh, God. <laughs> While, while, while. Oof, that is uncomfortable. Hey, let me tell you something. Thank you for your email. And you know what? Everybody should start a girls' night in wherever you are. Girls, wherever you are, 
just get your core group of friends together. And if you don't have any, find one or, or just like put on your Instagram, Hey girls in Connecticut or on, you know, whatever. If you meet one girl, just get, and I'll tell you about how I built my girls night in, in a moment, but it's like, get like five, 10, 15, 20 girls, whatever. It works with like 15, 12, 15, 10, seven, whatever girls have them over to your house. Make sure you, you know, know them a little bit or like check out their Instagram to make sure they're not, you know, psycho and get some rosé or tell every single girl there who's coming, tell her to bring like a four or five or $6 bottle of rosé from Trader Joe's and, and a snack or something, or just a bottle of wine and just clean up your house, make it cozy, light a candle or not. If you can't afford a candle, have them over to your house. You know, it's actually really fun to make your home really cozy. I've, I've started doing that with my very good girlfriends because, you know, I've decided I, I never would have anybody over at my house ever. And then all of a sudden I started throwing these girls nights in and it made me kind of into creating a cozy space for people at my house because sometimes I have them at a, a somebody else's house. Sometimes I'll have them at my house. Sometimes I'll have them at like somebody will not like they'll they'll host it for me at like a business or just a, or a private residence, whatever. But I got so into making my space cozy. Um, oh God, it sounds dirty. But okay, so I, I started making my like getting very into being like not a homemaker, but like you know setting a mood. And I got like red light bulbs from Target, <laughs> and uh, and I was just like I got a carpet and lit candles and incense and and just set up a, I just got really into like creating a very cozy kind of like 1970s vibe. Like you talk about 1991 friendships. Where, yeah. I fucking, I get it. I hear you. That's great. I'm, I'm all for that. That sounds great. I totally understand. And then I got really into like a, the scene from one of my favorite movies called an unmarried woman where Jill Clayburgh, who's the star of the movie, she's newly divorced. She's got to start her life over and she starts seeing a therapist. And in this scene, while she's talking to the therapist, she's sitting at the therapist, but she's like on the floor on a bunch of pillows. And like her therapist is like this like, kind of like hippie seventies arty looking woman. They both are. She's sitting on the carpet and, and a bunch with a bunch of pillows and they're just like having a chat. And I was like, wow, that's what I want to set up. That's the vibe of what I want my girls night in at my house to be like. So then I, I like, then I started inviting my girlfriends over to my house and like, I got like a charcuterie thing happening. Like I got like a wooden board to put like salami and cheese on and I got like flowers. Now I love having flowers in my house all the time. And, you know, I get rosé for them and chocolate and mandarins and grapes and strawberries. So it's like you have healthy options and you have like more decadent options and, and I have lots of tea at my house. So it's like you create this kind of very cozy, warm environment and then you bring your friends in. And what I do is at the girls night in, uh, because that's more bossy. That's more bossy of me than I would be with my my uh, core group of actual girlfriends in my real life. Um, what I do is I kind of like, you know, I first of all, I love all of them unconditionally, even if I don't know them and, or I'm just meeting them. They come into my house or wherever I'm holding that particular girl's night. I hug them. I put all of my attention on them. I'm so kind and happy to see them. I legitimately, legitimately am. And I, I, I hope that, you know, my goal is to make them feel special and seen and loved and cared for. And then we all get around in a circle. It's not a cult, I swear. It's not like that cult that I've been reading about called like Nexium with the girl from Smallville. Anyway, um, it is not that at all. 
we all go around. Well, I started off like we sit down. They, I have them make a drink, mingle for a bit, say hello to one another, introduce themselves to one another in a casual way. Then we sit down. Oh my god, there's like a car alarm going off, and I'm trying to fucking talk about girls I did. God damn it. Anyway, um, then we all sit down, and I kind of start us off with what I'm going through that week, and we all know. I can talk. Okay. This episode of the podcast, I don't have a guest and I've been talking for over an hour straight. Okay. So we all know that I love to talk and I, I, you know, and I, you know, anyway. Um, so I'll talk about what I'm going through, whether it's a breakup or some kind of internal spiral of insecurities or questioning life or wondering what it meant when somebody looked at me a certain way or, or when the guy I'm dating or was dating in the past when they did or didn't do something. And, you know, I just, or whatever, whatever lessons I've been learning, whatever books I've been reading, whatever podcasts I've been listening to, whatever um, nuggets and kernels of knowledge that are helping me more than anything I, I share, you know, with the girls. And I just say, this is everything I'm going through. This is everything I've noticed. This is like saving my life right now. This is like changed me. And that's what I'm going through. And then I move it to the next person. And like they introduce themselves. They, they talk, they, they say, what brought them out that night, like why they felt compelled or in need of, you know, a night like this. Cause that's another thing, a really big thing about girls night in, whether you're going to throw it or whoever is listening, whether you're going to throw it, or we're talking about the one that I throw, the whole point of it is that I, I like providing a space where girls can just sit around and talk about their feelings and be really nice to each other and kind and gentle and not assholes and judgy, you know what I mean? Like, it's just an, it's just like, it, it exists. So it's, so it's there if you need it. You know, if you're feeling sad, or you want to make a new friend, or you're just, you need to get out of your house, or you're stuck in your head, because God knows I get stuck in my head. And it's a problem. You know, it, it, it makes you like you, you get a ticket. I say it's a ticket, you like whatever you, you get a ticket. You make a plan to, you know, you've committed yourself to going over to some stranger's house, my house, to hang out with me who you've never met or whatever, unless you're a regular at Girls Night In. And there are regulars for sure. And I love them. Um, You know, you commit yourself to a plan. So you have to, you know, you have somebody to be held accountable to. You show up and then you have people to help you feel less alone and to listen. You know how important it is for some, sometimes it's just so important to listen to someone that's something I've learned throwing these nights. People, sometimes no, sometimes people don't listen to other people. You know, like I, like girls come and you can tell they, they come to the night and nobody ever listens to them. So I really make sure that, believe it or not, I am able to shut the fuck up. And I really make sure that when the girl is speaking, that we all just listen. We don't interrupt. We let her say everything she needs to say and tell us when she's done. And then we kind of open it up if other girls have questions or want to chime in or, you know, say something or relate somehow. So anyway, yeah, you, you know, you ask what the girl will say, like what, what compelled her to find the need, uh, you know, compelled her to come to girls night, um, why that was important to her. Um, and she felt, in, why she felt inclined to come out and then whatever is going on with her, you know? And we go and everybody kind of shares for like 10 to 15 minutes each, depending on how many girls you don't want to be there to like four in the morning. But like, you know, everybody tries to go around and say their thing anyway. And it's lovely. It's cathartic. And you can do that wherever you are. Just get a group of your girlfriends together 
and have them bring a friend of a friend, bring a friend of a friend of a friend. And it's nice. And it's all girls. And there's just something about a bunch of girls getting together in a room. I mean, you'll, you'll all probably start having the period, having a, you know, having your period at the same time. You'll all probably sync up, you know, it just happens, but, uh, it's, it's a great, exciting thing. It's very witchy and magical. Um, I love it when, uh, I I've had like girls nights, in on a full moon on more than one occasion and then everybody just is like getting their period the same night it's so bizarre but true um so yes so that's how it works i hope that makes sense i'm sure it does i'm sure i've beaten the idea of it to death but i'm telling you like i make jokes sometimes if i hear about like another person throwing a girl's night in in some other city and i see it like somebody will send me like an instagram thing being like they're copying what you're doing but i don't care that's wonderful. It's building community. Good. I can't be in Connecticut. I'm in Los Angeles. Go do it. Do it in pockets, other pockets of LA as well. Do it in every single state. Fucking do it in New York. I hear all these New York girls being like, come to New York. I would love to come to New York. And I think I am very good for a girl's night in because I talk a lot and I do bring people out of their shells. But listen, if you don't have me, do it on your own. Who cares? You'll survive. And it's so cozy, you know? Anyway, so I hope that helps. Oh, wow. This is a really long one. Okay. This is, oh my, I'm going to take a sip of my drink. Hold on. Hmm. Oh man. I really don't like it when people make swallowing sounds. Ugh, too easy. How dare you? Okay. This one is from Shay. Dear Lexi, my big question for you is this. Do you ever really get over someone who meant a lot to you? Here's my story to give some, okay, a lot of background. I'm not using the guy's real name because you and many other people know him. Hopefully it's not still obvious who he is. I'm making it somewhat detailed though, because first off, I love to write. And secondly, you seem like you'd appreciate a solid story. And your podcast is all about getting the beautiful details in life. Thank you for that, by the way. I discovered a guy we'll call Max during yet another day of recovery from a major surgery I had undergone just a month before in December of 2016. Unlike most of everything, uh, which would idly pass through the surface of my depressed and medicated thoughts, his Netflix special managed to break through to my core. What really got to me was his recounting of trials and tribulations with family, love, and depression. Being no stranger to mental illness, I felt an immediate connection to this raconteur, who I didn't know I'd been missing my whole life. I reached out to him on Instagram direct message. Romantic, I know. And that started the exchanges my mom would describe as a fellow writer taking a liking to my honest and adorable personality. But I would say he politely put up with my awkward musings at best. After a few weeks of the cyclic, he likes me, he hates me debate in my head, I worked up the courage to ask if we could meet for coffee. For some reason, I still question. Um... Oh, yeah, for some reason I still question. But he agreed. Cue montage of elated screaming, booking flights, calling friends, frantic shopping sprees, heavy amounts of daydreaming while stuck in a hotel outside JFK for 36 hours during a blizzard, a Tosh.0 taping, and finally cut to Venice Beach on St. Patrick's Day of 2017. I was texted the invite to meet him at his home, not a coffee shop, while I was with two free spirits and their cats I'd met the night before. The girls happily drove me to his place. They were just as excited as me to be a part of what we all deemed to be a series of events fit for a rom-com. Could a lost young college dropout really be rescued by her knight in shining Emmy-nominated armor in the city she had always dreamed of working in? 
or was all this seeming too good to be true? I put on some perfume to mask my sunscreen scent and slapped on my I'm a competent adult, please like me smile. Instead of questioning my judgment, which went against what society tells a girl to do by putting myself in a foreign environment with an older, more powerful man in Hollywood, my main concern was that this man I had built up such a massive crush on over the past couple of months would see my lost beach bum get up, uh, see my lost beach bum get up and slam the door in my sunburnt face. Thankfully, when Max opened the door, he smiled and offered a hug. Then the three of us, his dog included, sat on his couch and talked about all things trivial and personal. High school, bad commercial auditions, mental health histories, past relationships, even general philosophies about love and death. He listened to my story and acknowledged my my internal battles and external scars without the looks of confusion or pity I was so used to. He asked the real questions about how I felt and treated me with respect. No sketchy sexual moves made. I couldn't help but fall in love with L.A. and everything in it that night. As we stood outside waiting for the car, he called me. He wrapped an arm around my shoulder and just sighed. My little runaway. Which which at the same time, which at the time seemed super cute, but looking back, should have been a red flag that he probably saw me as less than a competent adult. We kept up what I will admit is minimal communication for the next several months, but any compliments, heart emojis, or words of encouragement gave me such an incredible feeling of excitement and hope. Then, right before my 21st birthday, I got the text I'd been dreading. You're too young for me, but have fun. Things were basically left at that, but I did recently reach out to him during my last visit to LA a few weeks ago and got a fairly nice response, which did make my overly sentimental, autistic ass tear up for a moment but that was the extent of it. Talking to close friends and even a therapist about the matter, I've gotten mixed responses. I've been told everything from, he cut you off because he got scared, to, you were a cute face to inflate his ego for a while. Am I delusional for ever thinking this guy could like me? Is it normal for me to still care about this guy and catch myself waking up from a dream of working with him on a movie? Will I ever not care about Max? Any advice and insight on this matter would be greatly appreciated. And again, I'd appreciate you keeping this information confidential. I'd be mortified if he ever found out I was telling this story. Love, Shay. Um, well, first of all, you used an alias for him. And uh, you know what? Just take it as it is. You're 21 and he's older and he's actually doing you a great service. He wasn't a creep. He didn't do anything sexually lechy or anything. And I think just like, just breathe. Don't take it so personally. I think it's really cool that he's, he's honest. He's too old for you. That's a real thing. I think it'd be weirder if he was like, let's do this. You're 21 and like whatever he is, like 40, 50. I don't know how old he is. He didn't say. But, um, you know, just you just have to let it go. I know you're spinning out. You're 21. I mean, I get it. It's, you're hormonal, you're excited, you're infatuated, you respect him, you're in love with him, you're giddy, you get to meet him. Oh my God, wow, like that's crazy. And let that be wonderful enough, you know? Let that be, now you have this wonderful story of something that happened when you were 21, so when you're 30, when you're 31, 41, 51, you can look back and go, wow, that was really cool. Like when you're older, when you're older, you won't think of it as like, being dismissed or a slap in the face or rejection, you'll because it isn't, you'll think of it as like, wow, 
that guy was too old for me. Like, I respect him more and like him more for not being a fucking piece of garbage creep. Not that older men can't date 21-year-olds. They totally can. That's all good. But let me tell you, I have been the 18-year-old girl or the 21-year-old girl or the 22-year-old girl, whatever, who's liked a guy. Ugh. And like I've liked a lot of comedians, too, when I was younger. I dated a lot of comedians. And the ones who dated me, looking back, I'm like, what are you fucking? Oh, my God, that was so gross and wrong. I can't believe this. I can't like so inappropriate, just so inappropriate and says more about the dude than you, you know, it means that like, uh, it's just embarrassing for an older guy sometimes. Like I get it. Young girls, hot bodies, great supple skin. I get it. But at the same time, think about how, like, if you're older, it's just, it's like, what is it about if a guy dates a girl so much younger? It means that he's like either emotionally stunted or he has some kind of issue or he's just like, not all the time, but I'm just saying like, I'm just saying don't just respect him even more for him being a good stand-up guy, you know? Yeah. He's not some perma-adolescent who maybe he wants to date a woman his own age or who, who's, you know, where he's at, uh, career-wise or financially and mentally and emotionally and and that's cool we need more men who want to date women uh their own age i don't know but it's all good you're gonna have a fling with another person who's much older than you i'm sure but uh just the goal is for you not to suffer so much that's all i care about and all you should care about and so if you can just put your attention on other things and writing you're a great writer by the way oh my goodness what a wonderful letter you wrote me. How wonderful is this letter? Incredible. You painted a picture. I felt your, your, your suffering and your anguish and you're funny and you just the balance is beautiful. So focus on your writing. Use moments like this. I definitely know that the majority of my writing uh, has come from, it's been my tool to work through pain and bad choices or horrible experiences or heartbreak that I've gone through and I've channeled it into writing and God, do I feel better after I get it out of my system and I write it and I use it for art. When you use a disappointing, sad, excruciating, painful experience, uh, in your work for your work, uh, that's when some of the best work is made. So, and it's just, and it's such a relief. You do feel a sense of relief and you feel so good about yourself and you're like, wow, I don't need anybody. Let's, let's, uh, I'm going to have a new experience so I can get my heart ripped out. This is great. That's why it's like you never really have to be afraid of anything because if you're an artist and you have great love, you can be excited and uh, inspired by that. And then if it ends and you're heartbroken, you can, you can use it for that. You can use that for your art as well. So you're always okay. Life is always happening. People are, are all around you. You're never really alone, but we are, we are born alone and we die alone, but you're never really alone, you know? Anyway, all right. I might have to take a break in a minute. I mean, my God, I'm like foaming at the goddamn mouth here. All right. Okay. This is from Mallory. Hi, Alexi. I'm Mallory, and I'm a 19-year-old college student in Texas. I just stumbled across your Love, Alexi short film, and I'm currently going through a breakup I found particularly heartbreaking, and I just wanted to reach out into the void and tell you that your short film helped me. It's really hard uh, going to classes like everything's normal, 
And the hardest part is learning to be myself again. And your short film touched on that. Now I'm going to watch it every time I feel alone. Thanks, and I wish you the best. Signed, Mallory. Mallory, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for liking the short film. Thank you for writing me. Um, and you're totally going to be okay. And you know what? The guy I'm dating should watch my short film. I didn't want him to watch it, and then he started to watch it, then he stopped watching it. It's only eight minutes, and if he's listening to this, which he probably isn't, but if he is, you better tell me you listened to this episode. I, I doubt he can make it through this far. This is like a lot of me talking. But if you're listening, you're, I'm, you're allowed to watch my short film because if you don't like it and you can't accept that and you don't like my uh, point of view or my sense of humor, uh, it's only eight minutes then we should know now. We, we should know sooner than later. Anyway, but people like, uh, Mallory likes it, okay? Mallory loves it. So Mallory, thank you. And you're totally going to be okay. I'm your big sister from afar, okay? So keep writing me whenever you need me. DearLoveAlexi at gmail.com. That is extended to anybody listening to this episode. If you need a big sister, because I'm an only child and... I just want to feel less alone and help you feel less alone. So email me your problems and I will read them always. Um, all right. This is from Aaron. I'm just going to say fuck it and send this. So bear with me if this is not interesting. Hi, Lexi. I'm 17 and probably too young to send emails to podcasters. I had heard you talking about Adderall in a couple episodes where you mentioned how you wouldn't feel yourself when taking it. I was so relieved that it wasn't just me. As someone diagnosed with ADD... I'd rather live with taking Adderall than quit it altogether, but it can make daily conversations sort of difficult because I feel like I'm not ever acting like myself. I'm glad that I'm not crazy and not alone in this feeling. Love, Aaron. P.S. I just got the meaning behind Love, Alexi. Wow. Oh my God, you just got it. Aaron, I love it. Listen, sometimes I forget the meaning of Love, Alexi too because people give me grief for it. They're like, they're like, so is it like Love, Alexi, like you want people to love you? or And I'm like, no, but I guess maybe, but really it's like love comma Alexi, like the end of a letter. Like every episode is kind of like a love letter to the person I'm talking to or whatever. It's like, yes. So thank you, Aaron, for getting it. Um, and yeah, Adderall, I am not, I don't have ADHD. I don't have ADD. I don't have any of that. And I can't imagine having that. And it must be annoying to actually have a real, medical need to take Adderall but I've taken it recreationally and when I've taken it probably like three times in my life over the over a period of like oh my god like 12 12 years oh I don't like it and I don't even take a whole pill I'll take like a quarter of a is it a 40 milligram tablet or 20 milligram I'll take like a quarter of a 40 milligram oh yeah so like 10 milligrams thank you for being with me while I did that math. <laughs> oh God. And I can't even leave my house when I take Adderall. And I take it sometimes, or I've taken it in the past to write with the intention of getting writing done. Cause I'm like, yeah, like I'll, I'll write a rough draft of a movie or a TV show. And I'll, you know, I'm going to write this article or an essay. I'm just going to whiz through it. But you know what? Sometimes if I take it and I don't sit down in front of a computer quickly enough, all of a sudden I'm like swiffering my apartment I'm organizing my closet. I'm just scrubbing and cleaning my apartment like nobody's business. And I don't get what I intended to get done done. 
And also I, I don't leave my house because I feel like a fucking tweaker because it's methamphetamine. Like I'm on amphetamines, you know, like it's just, I, and it's dangerous and I'm ashamed and I don't want anybody to have an interaction with me where they're like, is Alexi on drugs? Because I would, I would be on drugs. Yes. Adderall is drugs. It's the worst. It's I'd rather be, you know, and then, and then sometimes like in the past I've gotten on Instagram and I've like done videos and stuff, but I always feel like, Oh God, I've got poison in my system. I've got the devil running my system. And this is, this drug is, is evil. And I feel like people can pick up on it or I'm not being authentically myself or I have dry mouth because this drug is making me have dry mouth. You know, I just don't like it. So yeah, it just makes me feel like I have poison in me and it's not who I really am. So even if I do my quote unquote art, if I, if I am to write while in Adderall, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to myself and my writing because it's not really who I am. It's this alternate version of me that I'm not even sure if I like. And I feel like that version is sinister and evil and a drug addict and the devil. And I'm not even religious. Um, yeah. So I'd rather have like a lot of coffee. I'd rather have like three of those cute cans, um, of, lattes from Trader Joe's. What are they called again? One of the girls who wrote a letter to me said she gets them too. But um, I would definitely rather have one of those. I mean, three of those and go and go crazy on caffeine because at least like I know what that feeling is and I feel like I'm allowed to be in public because I, I have no problem being like, I'm really caffeinated right now or Ugh, I love these cans from Trader Joe's. I just love them. They're great. And then people will be like, wow. He loves, she loves coffee. And I'll be like, yeah, not she's a fucking addict weirdo. Um, anyway, so yes, that's where we both stand on Adderall, I suppose. Here's another letter. All right, this one is from Kate. She says, hi, Lexi. I just really could use some words of wisdom, and I feel like you might understand me. I'm a 24-year-old female, have been out with my boyfriend. Uh, I've been going out with my boyfriend who is 28 years old. For almost two years, we have mainly gotten along really well, but recently I've found myself getting an attitude and putting up walls. I've done this before in other relationships, and I really thought I was over it at this point. The main thing that really bugs me about him is that I feel he doesn't put enough effort into our relationship. I even feel bad saying that because he does put in effort. He always makes time to hang out with me. He drives everywhere, things like that. But it's the little things that he doesn't do that drives me crazy. If I don't talk, he will just stay silent for a long time, too, because he doesn't know what to say. He didn't even give a card, give me a card for my birthday, Valentine's Day, or our anniversary in the first year we were together. He claims he never has any ideas for dates, so I'm always just the one planning everything. However, I have told him that all of these things upset me, and we have discussed it in a mature way. I told him the time or money put into it doesn't matter to me. I just like a little, like little thoughtful things that show he cares. I've told him the things that would make me happy uh, would be leaving me a note on a post-it, playing a song that reminds him of us, even just initiating sex in a sweet way. I thought I was being so communicative and doing a great job, but after several conversations about these things, nothing has changed except for the cards. I do get those now. <laughs> um, well, that's good. I was trying to accept that this is just who he is and my life isn't a movie, so I should stop expecting romantic gestures from him. Those things are nice but they're not imperative for a healthy and loving relationship. But last weekend, he told me things that made me get really upset. 
We were talking about past relationship stuff, and he told me he gave his last girlfriend a promise ring when she went off to college. He also said the most romantic thing he ever did for someone was when he took his last girlfriend on a vacation. This all just made me feel heartbroken. I asked him, don't you think the most romantic thing you've ever done should be something you've done for me? And the thing is, I do romantic things for him all the time. I leave him sweet little notes. I buy him things that I know he'll love. I give him back massages, etc. I even once surprised him with a weekend away in a nice hotel and ordered us room service and everything. Oh my goodness. I'm feeling both bored and frustrated with him and I don't know what to do. Do I keep telling him that these things are important to me and hope one day he gets it? Do I go back to accepting I'm not a princess and my relationship is going to be normal? Or do I move on and maybe hope there's some guy out there who will do those things? If I stay with him, am I settling? I thought about telling him I'm feeling close to wanting to end things or at least take a break, but I don't want him to feel I'm threatening our relationship. What do you think? Thank you so much. Sorry this is so long. Kate. You know what? By the way, the the fact that you apologize at the end of the email, uh, and a lot of girls are insecure and apologetic in all of their emails where they're like, sorry for this novel. Sorry this is long. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I do the exact same thing, and it's alerting me to the fact that we all need to stop apologizing. Just send me the email. Send me the email and be good with it. You don't need to apologize for anything. If you're already sending the email, send it whatever length it needs to be. I'm fine with it. I'm just happy you're sending me a goddamn email. And in return, I'm going to try to stop apologizing and be so being so self-deprecating about my own stuff because it's so boring and unnecessary. But let's get back to you, Kate. Um, listen. Well, I think I just, I don't know what's just happened here. Oh, wait, my headphones. All right. Listen. Kate, 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 Kate. Um... You're 24 years old. You are so young. He is 28 years old. Um, it's almost been two years for you guys. Listen, I think you need to read two different books. One is called Getting to I Do, and the other one is called Getting the Love You Want. And here's why. They help you understand why you are the way you are in a relationship, and they help you understand what you want in a relationship, and get honest with yourself and get grounded in what you truly want. Listen, the guy's doing the best he can, okay? First of all, he's opening up to you about past relationships. That's sweet. I don't know why he's telling you this shit if he knows that you're disappointed in him already, but maybe he's just, you know, he's a guy, so they, they say things, but whatever. Anyway, um, but I think to tell a guy the things you want him to do for you, like point blank, and forgive me if any guy I've ever dated or the guy I'm dating is currently listening and I've I've uh, done this, but I feel like I haven't, but whatever. Um, you know, uh, I just think if you were to read getting to, I do a really good point they make is like, again, going back to this thing about energy and what kind of energy you want to lead with in a romantic relationship, because you are masculine. All of us are masculine in our work, in our career lives. Okay. Cause it's, that's when you take charge and you're making shit happen in your romantic relationship, you can also be masculine if that's if you're into that. I have a lot of powerhouse friends who are like fucking billionaires who are like living their life. Um, they call the shots, they pay for everything, they they make the plans, they're doing all the stuff, and then they kind of cherish their house husband. And uh, but that doesn't work for me. Like I don't want that. Like I'm very 
talkative and ballsy and a go-getter in my actual life. You know, I'm, I'm strong in the life I've chosen for myself, you know, doing whatever it is that I'm doing. Right. That takes a lot of energy. Um, I have to be brave. I've got to put myself into the world and I've got, and you know, anyway, so that's career and that's a masculine energy. Uh, but in my romantic relationships, I, I do want what you want. You know, I, I want flowers. I want the guy to, you know, when we're in public, I'm not saying I can't pay for food or something or like here and there, you know, but, uh, or, or lifts or whatever, but like in a romantic relationship, if we're in public at a restaurant, I think it's so fucking hot when a guy, when I don't even have to like pretend to go for my purse and the guy is like just taking me on a date. Cause he asked me, first of all, if he asks me and it's just a fucking sexy masculine thing to do. And if I'm into and enjoy really getting into my femininity and there's nothing wrong with femininity. It's awesome. Women make babies. Feminine energy is pivotal. It's vital. It's so important. Uh, you know, it balances, we balance, it's just, we balance each other out, right? We need both energies to coexist. So I love being feminine. I think it's very sexy and exciting. Um, you know, I, I, Anyway, I got off track here. I want the guy to pay for dinner. I want him to initiate sex. Not that I don't, but, uh, you know, but I want to feel cherished and cozy and, and, uh, and just like I could fall into a man's strong arms and he's got me and like, you know, and I can feel my feelings and, and he, you know, whatever. And that's the kind of balance I want. And, uh, I don't think that's bad. I hope I'm explaining this correctly, but if you, have a guy who's not doing those things for whatever reason. And I don't know how you set up this relationship. I don't know if you approached him, if he's more of a feminine man and, and you're kind of masculine and you're, but you want to be feminine and you're kind of confused and you're like all, you know, you're taking him out on this trip, which is fine here and there. That's great. But like, it's like you're trying to show him what you want him to do, but you're doing it. So it's all kind of confusing. You know, it's a very topsy turvy time. And if you've got a feminine man and those guys are great, I've dated those guys too. They're wonderful. You, but you're all over the place. And it, I think it's kind of rude to be like, I want you to do this. It's like, how unromantic is that? I was just talking to my friend yesterday about how I think it's so ridiculous when like a woman is like, not just giving a man a deadline to get married. Cause I know somebody wrote to me about that, you know, in a few emails back, but like if you're with a guy and then you're like, I want to get married. This is a ring I've chosen. You're going to give it to me this time. Like, I don't know. It's like, that's not how I want to navigate romance. I want there, I want both people in the relationship to want to be there. And I want there to be an element of surprise. And I don't want to feel like I'm forcing someone to be with me or forcing them to be this person that they're just not. I mean, what does the gesture mean if they don't want to do it? If they don't even think of it, part of like letting things unfold and learning about a new person and giving somebody space and having patience is seeing how they come towards you, you know? And it's kind of like a lovely thing. Like if, if, if he wants to write you notes, he'll write you notes. If you want to write him notes, you write him notes, but to get mad at him for something he's not, he doesn't have to do anything, you know? So it's kind of like, Ooh, I feel a little bit bad for the guy and I'm not being mean to you. I think you're great. Everything you want, I think you should have. And I want it too. It sounds great. I want love notes and flowers and, you know, 
lots of fucking and romance and going on trips. I want to be whisked away on a trip. God, of course I want that. That sounds great. We should hang out. You and I would be best friends. We're very similar. Um, even though I think being different is cool too. I have lots of friends who are different from me. Anyway, it's all great. Okay. But, uh, you know, either back off a little bit and accept him for who he is and like he gets it. Okay. I'm sure like if he hasn't heard you, um, I mean, I feel like he's heard what you're saying. Now, if he does this stuff, that's another thing we'll see. But how about this? If you're not happy, leave. If he's not who you want to be with, I think the nicer gift is let him go be himself with someone else. Let him go and, and get clear on what you want for yourself and then go, go towards that, you know? Don't come on very strong with a man and be very masculine and like, you know, do all these things so you can show a guy what you want him to do for you. Just lean back, let him come towards you and, and pursue you and see what happens. And and be play the role of the person, not play, not pretend. Don't, I'm not saying don't be who you are. You should always be your complete self. That's for sure. But you have to know who you are. You know, I'm not even talking about your career, like career. That's great. Be grounded in you career wise. But then also in your romantic life, you've got to get clear on what you want for yourself and who you are authentically in a relationship. So don't try to pretend to be something else or try to make something else work and fit in some weird mold that's not right, that feels uncomfortable. No. So you need some quiet time to go. Am I going to stay with this guy and accept him or am I going to tolerate him? and be like seething beneath the surface. I don't think tolerating someone that's, that's horrible. a horrible way to live. So I think, you know, so think about that. And then again, never be afraid to leave. Everything's a learning experience and it gets, gets you one step closer to like, what's more right for you, but you have to know who you are and just be honest with you, honest with yourself. Cause I do think a lot of girls are like, they get annoyed with me because I'm like, I want a guy to pay for dinner and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, a lot of people get annoyed by that chick because they're like, you're not a feminist and like, what the fuck? Like, I make my own money and like, how dare you? Like, that's that's like setting us backward. But it's like, no, it's not. It's not. I'm a complete feminist. I, I live exactly how I want to live. This has nothing to do with not with being a feminist or wanting equal rights for every different woman, you know, like, you know, intersectional feminism. I'm talking about like every single woman, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your whatever sexual orientation, if you're if you're a woman or identify as a woman, you should have equal rights. We should all be treated with respect. Great. I'm talking about an energy. You can be a man with feminine energy. I'm talking about divine femininity. Okay. I'm talking about knowing yourself and what you want. Because if you know what you want and you're not lying to yourself and you're not in denial and not trying to be somebody you think somebody else wants you to be or even society wants you to be, you're going to be so much happier because that's the goal. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm going off on a fucking tangent rant, but I hope that makes sense. So again, I want to know, I want updates. What, what I want to know what's going to happen with you, Kate. Okay. Um, let me know if you guys break up, if you guys work it out and, and what, um, shifts are made in order to make it work. If you make it work. Okay. This is a, an email from Steven. Uh, it says, I'm a fairly new fan of Love Alexi and your Instagram account, so maybe not a worthy question for the podcast. I'm only four episodes deep. But I was wondering, 
what you shot your Love Alexi video on Vimeo uh, with. I have no experience at all when it comes to even considering shooting a video. However, I find myself at the point where uh, I would like to invest in a new hobby, and this is something I've wanted to pursue for quite some time. Now that's all said, more than just enjoying how the video looks, feels, and was edited, I think you acted wonderfully portraying the vulnerability I'm sure every person on this planet has felt at some point in their lives. Whether you were referencing a real event or something fabricated or even a mixture of both, your performance was believable. Maybe not everyone can specifically relate to the events of the video or how you chose to show the character coping with an ended relationship, but I really do think you've touched on something more important. We've all been crushed at one point, and sometimes we may behave or act out in ways that aren't exactly true to ourselves or aren't in our best interest, but it's what we need to learn from the experience, or at least try to learn. But anyways, thanks for all your content. Keep up the good work. I hope you keep succeeding in life. And thank you for having Brett Gelman as a guest. I heard episode 80 while I was working and it totally helped me get through the day. P.S. Totally cool with an email response if you decide to respond. Thanks again. Signed, Beardbirds. Okay. Beardbirds, thank you. And you know what? I'm so disappointed in myself. I can't remember what we shot that on because I made that like two years ago. So I forgot what we shot it on. Oh, God. Ay, ay, ay. Um, I think it's in the description on the Vimeo. Uh, it should be. And if it's not, I will make sure to add it later after this podcast comes out. But uh, And thank you for your compliments. Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm just popping in a Listerine mint strip for a second. Ah, God. I talk about so many brands on this podcast. And I'm not being sponsored by any of them, which is just, you know, which it just means I really like these products. Um, man, I do really appreciate your kind words. So thank you for watching the short. And uh, yeah, God, I really have to make my feature because if I get these compliments for an eight minute short film, that like warms my heart, makes me so happy because my whole goal is to make stuff where people don't just laugh because I, I always want people to be laughing which probably means I just needed approval. I just want people to like me and uh, needed approval as a child. But I've moved on to this thing. What's always been important to me is not only making people laugh, but uh, I want people to be like, oh my God, she just said this thing or she wrote this thing or her short film had this moment in it that like, I've done that too, but I would never say that out loud or I would never shine a light on that because it's so embarrassing. But oh my God, that made me feel less alone. Anyway, so that's, so if anybody... Yeah, anyway, if anybody was moved or liked it or made to feel less alone, that's that makes me so happy. That's all I want to do. So, God damn it, i got to find financing for this fucking feature I wrote. I'm so proud of it. It's like uh, the Love Alexi short film is like a, uh, it's not a teaser. It's like a proof of concept for the feature in a way. It's like the same tone and sense of humor, but it's also like, you know, uh, vulnerable and dramatic and raw all right okay do I have to start a kickstarter is that what I'm gonna have to do to make a feature film like I've already met somebody on tinder so I'm not I I, I guess I got over my fear of tinder and embarrassment and my ego so is the next step kickstarter we'll see all right um 
you never know where good things are going to be found. Okay. This email is from Annabelle. She says, hi, Lexi. I don't even know if you read your emails, but my name is Annabelle and I'm 19 years old. Another 19 year old. Okay. I'm 19 years old and I've been listening to your podcast since November, but I had kind of uh, fallen out of listening every week. However, I'm currently going through my first breakup and it sucks. And I wanted to tell you that your podcast, your short films, your Insta stories have been a great distraction and inspiration. I truly love your content and your outlook on life. And I hope I can grow into a person as cool as you, even though there's so much hurt inside me right now. And I feel like I, it will never end. I felt a little more hopeful these past couple of days. So thank you. Smiley face. Signed, Annabelle. Annabelle, I love you. Thank you. I don't even know what more to say to that than thank you, but it's going to get better. I promise time makes everything better. Oh my God. Again, with breakups, use the pain, write as much as you can, write in a journal, masturbate, Epsom salt baths, go out with your friends. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Just like stay as busy as possible. Cry as much as you can feel all the feelings, make a short film, make an eight minute short film about your breakup. Um, in, yeah. And just know that something better for you is waiting. And, and this is just all part of it. And you can only know happiness and great things. Uh, you know, you, you need the contrast. You need to feel this bad. So you, you know that there's a difference between feeling very bad and feeling very good. You know, uh, contrast, contrast. Um, if we all just felt the same way all the time, I guess a lot of people do. Is that what Prozac does? I'm sure it's godsend. I'm sure it's like, I'm sure it saves lives. Of course it does. But, you know, if you were, if you were robotic and didn't feel feelings and, and intense feelings uh, from circumstances in your life, uh, good or bad, everything would just be the same. It would be gray and bleak. And who wants that? That's the most exciting thing about life is you never know what's right around the corner. It could be the best thing uh, ever just waiting right around the bend, or you could get hit by a car. Isn't that exciting? All right. I'm going to read this other email. It's from Danny. Uh, it says, Hey, I just wanted to start off saying, uh, I'm a huge fan and I know you do a lot of work about sex and that kind of stuff. And I'm a virgin and it is really bothering me and gets to me a lot. Any advice on how I can lose it? My God. Well, Danny, if you were a girl, it'd be way easier. Um, Oh God, Danny. Well, well, just don't have sex with anybody who doesn't want to have sex with you. Don't force anybody to have sex with you. Uh, don't go right for sex on a date. How about this? How about let's build the perfect man? Also, can I write this movie with you guys? Who wants to write this movie with me? The female version of weird science. A gender swap, okay, of weird science where women, two girlfriends, build the perfect man. And they put all the right things in his brain and maybe give him a great attitude and give them the perfect looks, whatever that means. And, uh, okay. So I'm going to do that for you, Danny. So Danny, um, be honest, be good looking. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, it's also subjective. Um, take the time. Maybe let's, let's have you lose your virginity to somebody you love. Okay. So take the time to meet a girl and get to know her and build trust and intimacy Okay, we're setting the stage of a perfect world and a perfect uh, losing of your virginity situation. Because that's how I lost my virginity, and that's how I found it. That's, I mean, I had sex for the first time uh, with somebody I was madly in love with, and he was my best friend, 
and I was wildly attracted to him and we just laughed a ton and we had sex and I just felt like, wow, like, oh, this is what love must be when you're best friends and you just want to hang out all the time because you're laughing and have such, have such a good time and you want to make out and have sex all the time. Like that to me is like, great. What more do you need? Um, so I don't know how old you are. I don't think you put that in the email. There are very few details. I don't know what's going on with you and your mental health, your age, uh, your level of education. I only graduated high school and I'm doing fine. But anyway, um, yeah, go on Tinder or ask a girl out. Women everywhere, people everywhere in the world are waking up every morning hoping, just hoping somebody will ask them on a date and fall in love with them or have their love reciprocated. Okay. We're all walking around hoping to be loved, cherished, accepted, listened to, heard, whether it's in romantic love or friendship. So just know if you just get a little bit brave, start a conversation up with a girl any way you can, any excuse to talk. You can go, excuse me, you dropped your pencil. Or you can be like, excuse me, do you know what aisle water bottles are in? Or you could be like, excuse me, um, totally random question. Is there a McDonald's around here? And then all of a sudden the girl's like, actually, uh, let me, let me check on my phone. That's weird. You don't, you don't have an iPhone. And then you can be like, Oh, ugh, you're so right. I just wasn't sure if there's one very close because I wasn't sure what the address was, but I should just drop a pin. But I think my phone's about to die. I've got like 1%. And she'd be like, Oh, okay, cool. Cause I was wondering why you didn't just check on your own phone. And you can be like, yeah, but is there a McDonald's around here? And then she'll be like, oh my God, let me check real quick. Actually, I'm walking that direction. Let me show you. Then all of a sudden, you're walking towards McDonald's. The conversation has started. Any excuse to start a conversation, that's all you need to start, okay? That hooks you in. And then you listen, and then you respond, and then you ask questions about her. How are you? How are you? What, what are you on your way to? What's your favorite TV show? Uh, by the way, I don't know anybody who, I don't know why anybody ever thought asking somebody what their favorite color is, like why they thought that would be, like who cares? I mean, maybe that matters. I don't know. Um, but I hope that helps. You ask questions. You seem interested. Hopefully you really are interested. You're polite. You don't take your dick out. You don't send dick pics. You treat women like they're human beings because they are. Uh, you treat them as if you would treat you know, if you ever have a daughter, well, no, don't treat them like your daughter because you don't want to fuck your daughter. But like, anyway, okay. Good luck to you, Danny. Um, I hope any of that helped. I could go off on that for a long time. Um, God damn it, so many. Okay, this is crazy long. Hey, Alex. Oh God, we're off to a rocky start already, aren't we? Okay, hey, Alex, I'm George. I am living in a country, Georgia, country and not the state of USA. And it is hell out here. Hell, I say. Literally, I am stuck here. I am hustling. I am struggling. I am wasting my life and my time. Biggie Smalls' song, Every Day, Struggle, is about me. I wrote a book that is already finished. The book called You Are God. How I can describe my book? A bunch of wise, full thoughts about the different things. It is about everything. It is about life. It is about the problems, about the obstacles, about the difficulties. 
that we are meeting in our life. It is about drugs, about sex, about peace, about happiness, about success, about education, about science, about motivation, about money, about death, about God, about love, freedom, music. It is about the mind, the body. Mainly the book is about finding ourselves in the chaos of life, finding our purpose, our mission in this world, and finding the way of living peacefully with our mind, with the feelings, desires, memories, and the thoughts that we have and think. I think that it is the most cleverest book that ever was written. Not because I wrote the book. I'm saying all that without being selfish, without trying to look cool. I am saying what is. I am not a usual, I am not a usual author writing uh, some dumb book. And this is not usual book to happen. Uh, I am here to take over the game. I don't care through how much shit I need to go through. I know one thing. This book should be happen. What? This book should be happen. The book is not published and no one knows about it. I have only the Microsoft Word version, 373 pages of the book. I wrote it on my laptop. And by the way, about my English, I never learned English language. I never had any type of touch with the English language. I never had a teacher. I never done any grammar exercises. I never learned how to write the words. I never learned how to spell the words. <laughs> I love this letter. I never lived in USA. Not my grandfather was an American. All my English knowledge came from the MS. I don't know a lot about the disease. The only thing that I know about this disease is that this is some kind of damage in the brain. And because of that, the sensitivity in your body gets lower and lower because of the vibration that you feel in your bones. And maybe one day, whoa. And maybe one day you're going to wake up and your whole body going to be paralyzed. It is like, it is like that I am sitting on the bomb that any time can explode, but I'm okay with it. I ain't pussy ass bitch. I'm the savage. No big deal for me. Just another challenge, like a fucking Jesus Christ, and that's how I'm going to sell myself. Who is entertaining as fuck. I'm going to be selling the coffee in the Starbucks or performing in front of a big audience in the Madison Square Garden. Both of the same shit for me. I'm going to be entertaining as fuck. Entertaining, entertainment is my real job. The joy is my job to make the people happy, to make the people laugh, to make the people enjoy the life, to make the people enjoy that being themselves is my job. I am a universal person. I can do anything. And if I can't, I'm going to learn and I'm still going to do it. I have a tough attitude. I'm not afraid of anything and I am open to try everything. If the most people need, uh, if the most people need a year to learn something, I can learn that thing in one day because my mind is clear. I don't have the garbage in my head. When I learn, I become one with that thing. I don't know how to do it. I just simply see, hear, and feel the doing damn thing. I came. I left. I gold. When I look back, there's a gold all over the place. That's how much power I have. I'm the most highest growing investment in the world at this moment. I'm not being cocky. I'm not being selfish. I am being real. The book is just simply one dimension of me. I need this book to let the world know about my persona and then expand myself in different ways. I have nothing to lose because I am totally broke. I am beyond being broke. Not because I am dumb or something like that but I was just born in a wrong place. I don't have anything. I don't have any type of con any contacts. I don't have any agent. I don't know. I don't have any knowledge how to publish my book, but I have the key, the key to the conquering the world, to the conquering the people's hearts. I have the potential that no one ever had, but if I don't going to get the chance, this potential going to die. 
I'm 22 years old and literally I have the toughest time of my life because I'm stuck here and now I'm deciding I'm going to made it and I'm going to let the world know about my persona before my disease is going to take over and give me the hard times or I'm going to be forever here having some shitty daily job with no and no no one going to be inspired by my hell life story. Maybe this is a weird text. Maybe it is what it is, weirdo, but a real though. Please read this message with all your heart and don't ignore it because I sended already so much emails and no one emailed me back. And I hope this is going to be the lucky one with much love. Oh my God. Um, I have two things to say. I have a lot of things to say. It can be very easy to be silly. I was reading that message kind of silly and stuff, but as I read it and read it and read it, and I'm sure you guys are with me on this one, like, well, the silly thing I want to say is like, that sounds like something Kanye would write, but I love, I mean, I'm sorry. Like I love Kanye. I I know you're not allowed to love him right now, but you know what I mean? Like his, his uh, intensity and his passion for art and stuff like that. And the way he speaks, whatever. Anyway, um, I'm embarrassed. I just said that, but I was being very honest. But as I read through that letter, That's a man who has all this passion and he's broke and he has MS and he's so young. And that's such a beautiful letter. And I teared up and I don't even know what to say to that. And I'm so glad I read that. And I want that guy to publish his book. And I hope you're listening. And if you're not listening, I'm fully going to email you back. And I'm going to email you a link of how to self-publish your book. You probably already know how to do that. You seem pretty fucking passionate and like a badass. Oh my God. What a letter. What a fucking badass. People are so incredible. And there's so many people with like big hearts and passion and dreams and all these fucking things against them being born to like not having very much money or with a disease or whatever circumstances they're born to, whatever country, whatever family, like, so fucking crazy how many people there are. Like, I think my life's so important, obviously. Like, all I do is talk about myself and I have this thing, but, like, you know, we're all so important to ourselves. I guess you're supposed to be, right? If you're not that important to yourself. Who are you supposed to be important to? But, uh, yeah, thank you for that email. This is from Stella. She says, I think the fact that you insta story when you're alone and not spending time with your friends helps people feel helps people feel closer to you, Alexi. The illusion Bill Prady was talking about that you're lonely works for you, in my opinion, because people feel like they're not fighting for your attention. They feel like you're opening up to them and like they have an authentic, intimate feel of who you are. It's refreshing and it feels like we know you better and builds a stronger connection with your audience. Well, thank you very much. Wait a minute, I think somebody else wrote something similar. Wait a minute. Oh my God, that's from Stella. And I got this email from Patrick. Stella, thank you. I love you. You're making me want to Insta story more. I, sometimes I take breaks from it, but it seems like I always Insta story a ton, but sometimes like I really like it when I Insta story full throttle and I get very intense with my feelings, but I've been very happy lately and I don't know. I don't know. And sometimes I just want to be by myself and not share every feeling. I already have so many sources in which I throw my personality into the ether. Um, This is from Patrick, and he wrote something similar. He wrote, hey, Lexi, a couple of things. First, Bill Prady, and let me give you guys some backstory real quick. I'm taking a break from this email. Bill Prady is the co-creator or the creator of, uh, co-creator of The Big Bang Theory, like the most successful television show 
on the planet. He's probably like a gazillionaire. He probably like flies a Tesla made of fucking gold. He was on my podcast and uh, we met online and or on Instagram or whatever. And I had him on my show. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's scary when you have some kind of uber successful older person on your show who's like, you know, I respect him and I'd never met him before. And he said he was like a fan of my Insta stories and that I was funny. And that's why he came on the show. And probably because I'm a girl and I'm not a monster to look at or whatever. I don't know, whatever. He did me the favor of coming on my show and that was nice of him or whatever. Um, I love having conversations with all different, if all different types of people who are inspiring and interesting and talented and successful and all that, because I want to learn from them. It's kind of like my college of life. I did not go to college. And um, anyway, and he said that my Insta stories made me seem lonely. So it was kind of like, I walked away from that interview feeling really bad. And I remember texting one of my friends, like a, another former, a previous guest of my podcast. And I texted him and I went, you know, Bill Prady said this thing. And it made me feel like really embarrassed and exposed and like, you know, cause like that's what a lot of people, people must think of me. And maybe, you know, like maybe I shouldn't be Insta storying so much because, you know, I'm not getting real shit done or what, whatever is real, like whatever, whatever that means. Like it's the future. I don't know what's real. Like Twitter and Instagram and Insta story is like, it's a new time, but I, I got like kind of quote unquote dissed by this, by Bill Prady. And, uh, it made me so confused and embarrassed and like made, made me like have to feel like I had to like apologize and do all these disclaimers if I ever insta storied after that. And then I like kind of came back to earth and I was like, again, going back to Kanye, the artist Kanye, like, you know, leave aside anything you don't like about him. Just hold on. Just let me talk about Kanye. It made me realize like, like do whatever the fuck you want to do. If I want to insta story, I'm going to insta story like fucking random example, but like busy Phillips, busy Phillips, is like she insta stories so much and the more she engages the more followers she gets the more authentically herself and the more of her life she shares with people the the more she is rewarded now she has a million followers like now she's hosting a talk show like she and she just was relentless with the insta storying she she found this medium she liked it and she went for it and i have periods like that like not as intense as her where i'll insta stories a ton because I like the medium and it's a young person's medium. It's like what, it's like what people are doing now and there are no rules and like things shift and change. And I'm not the co-creator of the fucking, uh, big bang theory. But, uh, so anyway, thank you guys. Thanks to my friends. And thank you for these emails I'm getting where people are like writing to me about that moment. Cause that did affect me. So we're getting a little inside scoop. If you like the love Alexi podcast and you know what I'm talking about, I've never really mentioned that. I mean, maybe I have a little bit, but like not to the extent I am right now, but how my feelings were hurt because I have feelings. Um, a lot of them, obviously, you know that. So this, okay. So Patrick, going back to Patrick's email, he wrote, Hey, Lexi, a couple of things. First, Bill Prady was totally wrong. And I think a little bit unkind when he said that you should stop doing, when he said that you should stop doing Insta stories, although he is very successful at what he does, he is not you and you should be you. I love your stories. Second, you did a beautiful interview with Rose McGowan. I saw her on Colbert the week before uh, I heard your interview with her. And while he tried to make her into something entertaining, you simply let her be herself. She is sweet and loving, and I think dealing with some substantial inner conflicts. You let all that be seen with kindness. Totally cool. And finally, your podcast combined intelligence, curiosity, compassion 
with a twinge of insecurity. It's a great combination. Don't stop. With love and admiration, Patrick. Patrick, thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I think we have a few more emails and then we are wrapping this baby up, baby. All right. Good evening. Uh, late night, early morning. I've written you a couple of times via DM on Instagram. You made a mess of my thoughts like real bad. Not only grammatical errors, just plain writing vomit. I blame Instagram's text limit, limit, which caught me off guard. So problem solved. But you always responded, which was super sweet. So one question I have, Alexi, is about your hatred of sarcasm. What kind of sarcasm do you enjoy and what kinds don't you? One of my favorite things about your podcast is your sarcasm. For example, when you say, how dare you, which oftentimes has a sarcastic placement in your conversations. I only ask because I rely on sarcasm as icebreakers, most of the time with friends and family, and I'm questioning my comedic crutch now. I just moved the mic stand. Thank you very much. Um, I'm getting a little bit squirmy sitting for so long. Okay. So question number two, also last question. I've heard twice now that you were exposed to mature content too young, some very graphic comics and pictures, etc. I accidentally exposed my oldest girl who was seven and also a damn saint to a comic by Alan Moore called Lost Girls. This graphic novel slash porno mag is vivid. Have I fucked up? Sincerely confused in the evergreens. I mean, yeah, don't show your seven-year-old a sexual porno graphic novel. It is too much. Yeah. And my thing about sarcasm is sarcasm and my therapist, my, is this working? My therapist says sarcasm is unresolved rage. And I agree. And don't get sarcasm uh, confused with wit and charm and a sense of humor. Sarcasm is always at the expense of someone else's feelings, where when you say something, you're like, hey, it was a joke. But they walk away being like, does he hate me? Is he mad at me? Are they being mean to me? Was she, did she just insult me? Like what? And it's like confusing because it's masked, it's masked as a joke. So that's, like sarcasm is like a pussy's way, a little bitch's way of being a dick, but masking it as a joke. So fuck that shit. I don't like that. When I say, how dare you? And then I smile and I'm like, you know, I'm not like, I'm like, like your haircut, idiot. Just kidding. Like what? Like that's sarcasm. But how dare you? I don't think it's sarcasm. It's just like more absurd because people are like, what do you mean? How dare I? What are you talking about? What's that coming? That's coming out of nowhere. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, but yes, it does cause the other person to be confused sometimes or taken aback. So maybe that is sarcasm and it's uh, upsetting. But I'm talking about like insulting sarcasm where you confuse a person and, and kind of make them feel unsafe. It's a little bit like gaslighting where, yeah, there's gaslighting. Look that up. Sarcasm. Look that up. Um, but then take it from me. Don't do it. Um, okay. So this person says, hooked on your Instagram and listened to your podcast for the first time. The one on two nine, February 9th, 2018. Nice. Best and worst way to die. Am I selfish if I say the best way is with everyone else in a meteor or nuclear war? Signed, Chris. Okay, Christopher, I don't know what that was all about, but thank you for the compliments, and I really hope we do not die in a nuclear explosion or at all for a long time, I mean. Um, all right. This, these are all the questions from bizarre men that I think are going to be sending me weird shit. I've reserved this to its own pile. This is from... Devik, it says, how old are you? What's your civil status? Are you currently in a relationship? Are you still active in social media now? 
How can I get a date with you? Well, uh, how dare you ask me how old I am? Uh, no, I'm, I am well in my 30s. I am dating someone who is a fucking hunk. Gentleman, sweetheart, cutie, wonderful person who's so handsome and tall. Uh, so, yes, I am dating him. I am totally on social media. And we're not going on a date. But thank you for the email. This one says, hello, Alexi. My name is Ozil. I'm from West Africa. I really want to know you better, Alexi. I came across your videos and I really enjoyed watching them. I will appreciate if you write back. I feel really, really happy reading from my crush. Take care of yourself and I love you. Two kissy face emojis. It's the, the, he wrote two of the winky face kissy face emojis, which I always think is kind of confusing, but it's like, just kidding, not smooch. Like, I don't get it, but like, I use them a lot too because other people love them. Well, thanks for the compliment, but, um, and thanks for the crush, but I am not for the taking. I am not writing you back. I read it on my podcast, but we are not going out. I'm into somebody else right now. Um, and hopefully forever. Just kidding. Okay. Anymore. Not just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, this one says, Hey, they're wonderful. I've got an inquiry inquiry. Um, I heard an old podcast. Oh, yeah, you know what? Oh, I heard an old podcast of yours when it was called boy crazy but I listened to one or two that are uh, that are not that old. This happened two, three, two to three months ago. You called the episode, I'm thinking about Frank Ocean's bus boy is not cool. Something similar. Um, my inquiry regards your opinion of Frank Ocean and his music, good or bad. Signed Christian. Oh, he's the one who wrote the thing about uh, sarcasm. No, I love Frank Ocean's music. I was just, at the time I was dating a musician and he was playing at a festival the guy I was dating, his him and his you know him and his band were playing at a music festival in Canada, and Frank Ocean was playing at the same festival, and I needed to get back to a hotel. I needed to say goodbye to my boyfriend, get on a bus to take me to a hotel near the airport so I could hop on a flight and get back to L.A. So the only way I could get to this hotel was by getting on Frank Ocean's um, bus but it was like all of his crew, his crew bus. So I got on this bus with all these crew guys. And it wasn't Frank Ocean's bus that he owned or was renting. It was like just a bus that happened to be taking the majority of people on Frank Ocean's crew back to this hotel. And for whatever reason, I should have sat at the front of the bus. I sat on the back of the bus. And my boyfriend at the time hung out with me until the bus was about to leave. And then he gave me a kiss goodbye, left. And about an hour into this two and a half hour drive because we had been out in the middle of nowhere. One of the crew guys comes over to my seat, like scooches, like, like hops over to my seat, scooches really close to me on the seat of the bus. He puts his arm around me. He tries to kiss me. He starts calling me a bitch. Cause like, you know, and, and he reeked of alcohol and he was like mad. I wouldn't kiss him. And he just wouldn't stop touching me and putting his arm around me. And I had to yell. Nobody, people looked and then they turned. It was only men on the bus. The other men looked, turned away and ignored me. And I was saying, get away from me. Get away from me. Take get your hands off me. Get away from me. Help. Somebody do something, please. Somebody, hello, help. Somebody. Nobody did a goddamn thing. Finally, after I'm screaming and crying, one guy turned around who had been like listening and witnessing the entire thing. And he goes, Hey, leave her alone, man. 
And then the guy got up. He's like, okay, fuck it. Fucking bitch, cunt, fuck. Can you fucking believe that? I mean, I can believe that. I mean, with everything, all this stuff that's coming out in the news, of course I can believe that. Of course you can hopefully believe that. Every girl listening can believe that. You know, so good men who are listening who have hopefully not, not ever acted that way with a woman, you know, sometimes they're like, what, really? This stuff happens? Yeah. Like, like if you're a girl, you're just asking for it. Just if I'm a girl alone in the back of a bus at night, it's my fault for being there. So you're going you're gonna to touch me and try to kiss me and then make fun of my boyfriend. It was so weird. That's what I was talking about. That's what this person, uh, that's what you're referring to, Christian. You just emailed me about the Frank Ocean bus story. I love Frank Ocean's music. Frank Ocean didn't do this to me. This was one of his crew members. I never found out who it was, but I was fucking livid. Anyway, um, this email says, Hey, say, saw your blog. I'm 18 years old and I'm an Australian man curious as to what it's like living in LA. Well, oh, sign Blake. Blake, it's amazing. The weather is perfect. Uh, there's lots of space. You can go to the ocean. You can go to the desert. Uh, you know, I love LA. Case closed. This says, hi, Alexi. I hope I'm not too casual or intimate, but I can't help but see and hear you as a friend because I've, I'm a lifelong subscriber to and a fan of your shared thoughts and writing. Thank you for all your work in film and online. It's beautiful and rejuvenating. I eagerly await your conversations and thoughts each Wednesday. Your intros are my favorite. Without too much fluff or pageantry, I'm not trying to sell you or have you promote anything. I gen genuinely wanted to share a collaborative and curated package of women's writing with you. These are girlfriends of mine from Louisiana all the way to New York that I brought together via email to release what was on their hearts last spring. What they wrote for me, I compiled into a little zine I hope to seasonally release in Houston, Texas. Like I said, I don't anticipate you promoting this in any way. You have your own stuff going on. It's just that the platform you have so aligns with what I want to see more of in the world. And I thought, hey, wouldn't she find this interesting? What if I send her a copy? I love, love your Girls' Night In series, and I'm hoping to bring my sister and maybe some of the women from my zine to one soon. Thanks again for inspiring and entertaining me. Signed, Hannah. Hannah, I love you, and I fucking love the zine. I'm really trying not to curse, but I just can't help it. I get passionate. And uh, the zine is in my house still. It's in my living room because it's so cool looking, and the sentiment is beautiful, and I love the writing, and I am so glad you sent me. So if anybody ever wants to send me anything... Um, a book or music or whatever it is you want to send me, you can send it to my P.O. Box. It's P.O. Box 480-876, Los Angeles, California, 90048. And uh, so, the, again, thank you, Hannah. Um, and, oh, you know what? I don't know. It's a bit of a fragment of, a pod, of, a, of an email uh, that I can't figure it out. Somebody wrote, P.S. I'm loving the podcast. I'm caught in a cycle of listening to it because it really just puts me in a better mood. It's truly lovely that you bring people up and never down. That's something which uh, can be a challenge to find at times. So it's incredibly refreshing to get a boost of old, good old positivity. Well, I don't even know what that, which email that was attached to, but I've read it. And now I've got... Whew, I will save this email for another time. It's three pages and the font is size 10. I can't do this to you guys. You guys, I just have to say, um, oh my goodness. Okay. I've read a lot of emails. Um, I don't know if, 
you know what? I'm not going to do that to myself. I was going to make, I was going to make a self-deprecating joke and be like, I don't know if you guys made it through, but if you're here, you're here. I don't need to fucking shit on myself like that. Be so rude. Ugh, what, what an image I just had to conjure. Why did I, I don't even like bathroom humor and yet I'm saying these things. Gross. Anyway. All right. I read a lot of emails. Um, thank you so much for listening. Next week, I have Adam Goldberg, actor, writer, musician, jack of all trades, master of all those trades on this very podcast. So excited about that. Please continue to send your emails to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. I will read them on another future episode dedicated to reading your emails to me. I am completely uh, taken aback, honored, floored, thankful and grateful for your emails. You have no idea. I like started tearing up multiple times during this podcast. Um, I feel like I've never spoken this much in my entire life, but that's probably a lie. And I guess overall things we can take away from today are uh, all of us need to, I don't know, stop apologizing, stop apologizing for ourselves, be kinder, be gentler to ourselves, uh, meditate. Um, what else? Uh, know who you are and what you want, not be afraid to walk away from situations that are not good for you or or, that aren't serving you and aren't authentically what you want for yourself and that you will always be okay. And that, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that's enough. Anyway, you guys, I love you and I'll talk to you next week.